Hey y'all, this is Daniel Kyrie. I play Darren Ritter on Chicago Fire, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. This thing makes the entire family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Shyhards, welcome to Meet Us at Molly's episode 177. Today we are going to go over this week's episodes 612, 912, and 812. It's gonna be a long one, but that's cool. We have a lot to say. Which, like, we always do, but we have a lot to say. We really have a lot to say, though. And we both have alcohol in us, so gear up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brian is drinking wine for the first time in like forever. And I'm like a beer and a half in, but I'm also a lightweight. So woohoo. Woohoo. Yeah, man. Okay. So, so got a little bit of news. We got good stuff though. Uh, got some casting news this week. TV line reports that Chicago med casts all American vet Asia Cooper as med student with surprise connection to Maggie. Okay. I got through season one of all of American, all of American, all American, um, didn't really start season two. Asia Cooper, who does she play? Um, she played Spencer's ex-girlfriend. I don't remember her, but awesome. I'm trying to remember if she's in season one, and I don't think she is. In, no, I don't think she is. Okay. I don't know. I kind of fell off this season, but I'm going to pick it back up once it's all aired. I, I fell off a little bit, too. I think I started the first couple episodes of season two, and I was just kind of like, hmm. Oh, I liked season two. I just season three has been a little harder to get through and I I'm going to I'm going to go back and finish it. But it's a good show, though. If you haven't checked it out, definitely it's really, check it out. It's really, really good. Brian, um, got me to watch it. So definitely highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So here is the, 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 the news. So Chicago Med has enlisted a new recruit and she's got ties to the hospital staff. Asia Cooper will recur during season six of the medical drama as accelerated med student Vanessa Taylor. Described as friendly, warm, and intelligent, Vanessa is the youngest person in her class. Driven and passionate, she's worked hard all her life to get to where she is. The character also has a surprise connection to one of the show's nurses. I mean, she's Maggie's daughter. She's got to be. She's got to be. Yeah. It's too obvious. Right. It's just like that. She's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The article just goes on to say, you know, in last Wednesday's episode, Maggie proposed expanding the hospital's emergency department training program to match the surge of nursing and med school enrollments. You know, could that be how Vanessa enters the fray? I mean, it's just too easy. She's got to be the daughter. Right. Uh, Yeah. 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 But, like, also, how is Maggie going to make that connection? Oh, know. my God. And what if Vanessa became a nurse and, like, made sure to go to med because she knew that's where her bio mom worked? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I mean, knowing Maggie and Marlin and everything, we're probably going to cry. Regardless, I just hope this doesn't end up how a lot of other, like, adoptive foster storylines end up on this show with like one half of the duo being like ripped away from the other half because you've got like louie from gabby and casey you have uh brett's bio mom from last season yep just i just hope this doesn't end badly let's put it that way i'm gonna second that 
So we've also got episode descriptions. These are for not next week, but two weeks from now. We would have new episodes next week. It's just that the president is addressing Congress on Wednesday. And so that is the reason why the episodes got pushed a week. So don't blame NBC this time. But honestly, I kind of like that because then that means we get four in a row in May. Ooh, good point. We go four straight to end the seasons in May. So I'm okay with it. I'm okay with that too, actually. I'm okay with a one week off if it means we get four straight in the end. Yeah. Good things come to those who wait. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Also, I've been drinking. Uh, (laughs) Trying to take us through med. Okay. So med 613 is what a tangled web we weave. It says an auto accident sends Goodwin into a spiral as she tries to help a young boy and his mother. Natalie's secret behavior begins to draw the attention of Dr. Marcel and Dr. Halstead. I am so glad that we didn't know anything about this episode until the promo. I mean, obviously we did because these episode descriptions have been out for a hot second. But I think it's interesting that the wording of the description is not what I would have thought based on the pro- from the promo. Because this, I wouldn't have thought that Goodwin was the one behind the accident. I see. And I hadn't read these descriptions. So the promo was a surprise to me when oh. we saw the promo and they were like, Dr. Goodwin was driving or Miss Goodwin was driving the car. I was like, oh, shit. I so, was still like, oh, shit, because that does not match this. Yeah. You know, that's true. That is true. So also Crockett and Will, I guess, working together to figure out what's going on with Natalie. I'm intrigued. I am not ready I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Crockett is going to be like all over well and just be like, back it up, bitch. Yeah, we'll see. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I cannot wait to yell about med. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Fire 913 is called don't hang up. A mysterious caller who is in danger relies on Kid to help save her and her brother. Also, the firehouse helps crews get ready for fatherhood. Mm, I'm so ready for that. I'm so ready. Do you think Chloe has the baby this season? Oh, I hope so. Or is it a season 10 thing? I think, I, I think it's going to be a season 10 thing. And I... I I really wish that it would be like a whole storyline where like, you know, we would see Cruz like meet his baby and everything. I think it's going to be the kind of thing where like we come back next season and baby's and already had here. the baby. Yeah. What? No, I hope. No, I, I hope that's not the case. That. Yeah. But think of the alternative though, because if Chloe has this baby and we do a whole storyline about it, you know, that Chicago fire is not nice to the pregnant women. They're going to put Chloe through hell. Right. But they've all survived. But Chloe's been through enough. Right. But I was even just thinking about it. So Cindy went through a little bit of hell, survived. Gabby miscarried. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about Gabby. I was even just thinking about like minor characters. Donna. Donna almost lost the baby. Brett's mom died. Oh, yeah. I forgot Brett's mom was pregnant. Oh. You're not nice to the pregnant women on fire. Then maybe I do want Chloe. No, but I want to see Chloe have the baby. We already put the woman through a skyscraper fire and then a car accident. I know. Is Chloe the Meredith Grey of Chicago Fire? Shh. We're not putting that out there. I just did, so. Hmm. (laughs) But I want to see Chloe have the baby. No, I do too. (sighs) The struggle. 
It's got to be a boy, right? We already know it's a boy. Oh, shit, we do. You're right. <laughs> I've been drinking. I've been drinking. <laughs> we already know it's a boy. We do already know it's a boy. If that baby's name is not Brian. Right. That's the point. We already know it was a boy. I knew that. Or Otis or anything, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Take us through PD. Okay. So PD is 813. is called Trouble Dolls. And it says, the shocking murder of a young pregnant woman leads the team on a desperate hunt for the killer, revealing something even darker than expected. Burgess has to make a tough decision about Michaela. Where do we start with this? Oh, man. That promo. Okay, but, like, the tough decision, I imagine, is, like, hey, we found a new relative who's willing to take care of her. But that's also not where the promo took us. No, the promo makes it seem like hey the tough decision is like what's gonna happen to Michaela if something happens to you oh shit like let me have this deep conversation with Ruzik that I've needed to have for weeks now yeah I don't know I don't know the Bruziks are like driving me nuts this season in a good way but like they're driving me nuts I know it's like we went for so long without any Bursic content and now we have all this Bursic content and it's so frustrating still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then it's like, I mean, I, I want to know how Ruzik feels about Burgess these days or like how he feels about her after the episode with his father. Like that wasn't a run of the mill, like, that wasn't a garden variety fight where you're just like, okay, well, we fought, but I still love you. That's big. Mm-hmm. And yeah, That's there's. Kind of yeah. I mean, I think there's obviously a lot maybe that'll happen in the episode before we get to this, but I want to know why Burgess all of a sudden thinks that, like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. I'm just going to name Adam as the person to take Michaela if something were to happen to me. I would think Without that. Without having had the talk. First. Yeah. Yeah. I would also think that her first choice would be Nicole. Oh, I would have said her first choice was either Adam or Kevin, 100%. Oh, Kevin. Uncle Kevin. I would have said Kevin or Adam, 100%. I mean, Nicole would make a lot of sense, though. But we don't know anything about... Has Nicole even met Michaela? I think well, it's no, more- but but also, I mean, it's her sister, and, and she's already got Zoe. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. We just don't ever hear about, like, ever. Yeah, I don't know either. So... I would have said Kevin or Adam. But I just, the Adam choice seems a little weird seeing as they haven't talked first. And then she's just like, yeah, I'm going to name you custodian. And I'm like, huh? I'm going to name you custodian because even though I'm stubborn and I love you, but I won't say it, I trust you. Mm-hmm. Face palm. Yep. Goodness. So last up, we got a scoop from Matt's inside line. Um, we got two fire scoops, really. And we got a rookie scoop, too. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Brian, I take us through this one. Okay. So the first question said, will Chicago Fire fans actually see the Stellaride cabin trip that was teased in 907? And this, that question's from Lizzie. And it says, I delivered your cue to showrunner Derek, who responded, we haven't been to the cabin a while, have we? Hmm. Oh, but wait, there's more. <laughs> and then it goes on to say, will we get a Stellaroid-centered episode of Chicago Fire? And it says, are they all, countered Derek, um, before he shared this. We will see a major Stellaroid event right near the end of the season. 
if this event doesn't rhyme with engagement, I'm gonna be mad. Yeah, it's it's got it's gotta be right. You would think, I, but it's Derek. I know, I know, I know. And Derek likes to rip that rug out from under us right when we least expect it. I know. I just. I'm not even going to think about it. I'm going to think that it's an engagement and I'm going to just choose to live in that world. You're just going to manifest it? Yeah. Solid plan. I mean, it's like that picture from Jen and Beth that they took at con. I'm just going to manifest it out (laughs) in the world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe because, you know, all we know is that we're getting scuba severide in the finale. We know that. And like a major event. Maybe it's like That's an scuba- adventurous proposal. And like I'm just saying the scuba severide moment better be like one hell of a scene, or it's gonna have been way too hyped. It had better be like the most badass rescue we've ever seen. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. I- I'm not here for like any cliffhangers of like, oh hey, severides underwater for the next four months. Not here for it. Not here At least for- it's not eight months. Shit, you're right. <laughs> At least this wasn't the season uh, eight cliffhanger. Right. Right. I hear you there. Hear you there. That's about all the news we've got for today. You guys, you know the drill. If you see anything, please send it to us. It helps us a lot, actually. And you guys are really good about that. So we do appreciate it. We've got two patron shout outs. Woohoo. I love it. I love it. First one goes to Kendra Kidman. Welcome to the family. Enjoy the group. Post all of the stuff that you want to post. Welcome to the family. Thank you for supporting the pod. Yay. Um, and then next one is Christina Baker Arena. Christina, thank you so, so, so much for your support. It truly means the world to us. It really, really does. So if you would like to support the podcast for as little as $2 a month, please check out the link on our socials. It will lead you right to our Patreon page. You can check out all the cool perks we've got there, the Facebook group, the discount on the merch code, the bonus episodes, all sorts of awesome stuff. Um, the bonus episodes are pretty much us. Like right now, we've just been kind of going back to like past projects that our favorites have done. Um, and I think that's what we're planning for this next one. We're looking at an episode of Sex in the City, um, which I never watched. I mean, did you? I mean, I've seen like rant. I can't say like I've never sat down and watched the whole thing. Have mm-hmm. I seen random episodes like on E, you know, on reruns? And yeah, of course I have. But mm-hmm. have I sat down and watched like all of it? No. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, without further ado, it's time to move into the episode, shall we? Let's do it. Okay, we're starting with Med. The notable thing about tonight's episode of Med, or this week's episode of Med, it was directed by Chicago Justice alum Carl Weathers. And they didn't even fucking acknowledge it. Yeah, according to Wolf Entertainment Twitter, Chicago Justice just never happened. <laughs> like, I, like, I'd seen that. Somebody had tweeted about it earlier in the day and i was like oh okay like that's cool and then i was waiting it's like i'll bet you the wolf entertainment twitter account will acknowledge it right and they did and then but they list all these projects that of course carl weathers has been in and i was like oh they're gonna say something about justice right and then nope and i was like (laughs) well i guess that really means justice is the black sheet they don't even acknowledge its former existence it really is it really which like it makes me laugh a little i'm not gonna lie (laughs) It makes me laugh too because sometimes I do forget that there was a fourth show. Um, 
like I just forget sometimes. So but, this is this is why fandom is here. We are here to make sure that you never forget. Yeah. yeah. But it was just like one of those things I was like, oh yeah, they're gonna acknowledge it. And then they didn't. And I was like, wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, for you new shyhards out there who are just jumping in and not binging from the beginning, there was a fourth show. Yeah. Chicago Justice, <laughs> the lost show. <laughs> oh man. That is just like one day when there's an oral history of like one Chicago and Dick Wolf, it's just gonna get lost. It's gonna be like that, like like you said, the lost show. The lost it's, show, yeah. It's gonna be um, a very interesting chapter of that oral history. When the inevitable college class pops up on like the history of Dick Wolf shows, uh, just like don't forget us, history. Don't forget us. <laughs> <laughs> We're around to be guest speakers. Is, I wonder, is that the only Dick Wolf show that was ever canceled after one season? Oh my god, good question. Take it away and I'm going to Google it. Okay, so we got to start with Do- Will and Dr. Verani because William, William, William. I'm not even going to defend him this week. I That says a lot. It says a lot. Mm-hmm. So we see the first scene of the episode. We see Will is making notes for his meeting tomorrow with Dr. Verani in bed next to him. And no. I'm just- I'm like, okay. And I didn't hate it though. I don't know. It did nothing for me. Nothing. Um, and she's just like, yeah, you know, doc- you, Dr. Will Halstead, are a star. And I'm like, uh, barf. <laughs> anyway, it just, it, and they're just like, you know, whatever. It's uh, whatever. Anyway, so one of Will's trial patients is brought into the ED after a car crash. They can't keep up his pulse, and they ultimately have to declare a time of death, yada, yada, yada. Horrible way to die. Yeah. So, but now there is an open spot in the trial. How convenient. And so, we'll get to this more later on, you know, about the Natalie situation, but Will eventually talks to Dr. Verani about Natalie's mom and having her potentially join the trial, and he mentions that the drug works. And then it ultimately... he ends up confessing that he unblinded one patient. Okay, wait, I've got the update on our Google. Sorry, I interrupted the clip, I know. Um, okay, so there are certain versions of Law & Order that got canceled along the way, like law, regular straight-up boring Law & Order, 1990 to 2010. Right, but I'm asking after, like, that would already become a hit. Like, that was okay. clearly a hit, and it got canceled, you know, 10 seasons down the line. I'm saying, like, has there ever been a Dick Wolf show that was canceled so early on what the hell is criminal confessions i'm on his imdb i've never heard of that do we need to watch an episode for a patron episode patreon bonus episode maybe cold justice sex crimes that was just 2015 oh so okay there was a show called 3 a.m and that was just 2015 there was another show called dead again and that was 2014 to 2015 law and order uk Ooh, i need to watch that Stars earn stripes. What is that? He okay, so I guess the answer to the question is yes, there are some. I think we just found ourselves like a bonus episode of just like Dick shows. Wolf. Yeah. Shows. We gotta find them streaming first. Are they on Peacock? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. I haven't been on Peacock since I bought the damn thing since it's not on the Amazon Fire Stick. I'm still bitter. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> back to the audio clip. I unblinded a patient. What? A couple months back. You did this behind my back. I didn't want to, but I had to. 
for the sake of my patient. Do you have any idea what you've done? You've jeopardized the whole trial, not to mention both of our jobs. Sabina, I've told you this in confidence. I mean, we're having drinks with Mark Barrigan tonight. How am I supposed to sing your praises knowing you've broken the most basic rule? I'm sorry. Really, I am. I have no idea what I'm going to do. But I can tell you this. I'm not making any exceptions to the enrollment. Okay, Will. Wow. William. William. First off, the audacity. The way he just, like, confesses this and is like, I did what I did. Right. Well, and then she's like, you did it behind my back. And he's like, I didn't want to, but I had to for the sake of my patient. And I was like, Will. But you didn't have to. But you didn't have to. You could have done something else or told her, hey, I think this is the only way to save my patient. I think we need to do this and whatever. Yeah. You didn't have to do it behind her back. No, no, just uh, I didn't want to, but I had to. Okay, William. Okay. Well, and then when she goes on and she's like, well, do you have any idea what you've done? Like you not only jeopardize my job, but the whole, you know, your job and the whole trial. And then his response was a lot even like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. He's like, look, I did this. I told you in confidence, like you can't say anything. And I'm just like. like I just oh, jeopardized man. everything you've been working towards, but I told you in secret, so you have to cover for me. Right. The position he just put her in? Mm-hmm. Will. Yeah. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. It's just not a good look for my guy. And, like, not, guy. not even the least bit apologetic. No. And that, well, he tries. He's like, I'm sorry. I am. And she's just like, yeah, no. He's not, he's not sorry. No, of course he's not. No. If he was sorry, he would have not done it and gone about this whole thing in a different way. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, they still go out for drinks. It's Will, Verani, and that Barrowman guy from Kinder. And Barrowman's going on and on about how great Will's done with the trial and he and Sabina are so impressed and blah, blah, blah. And like the whole time... She is giving him these looks, like, while she's got her drink in her hand and, like, is casually sipping it. And I'm just like, yes, girl. Yes. We've got to take a second here. Okay, so so they're tasting whiskey, right, in this moment? And they're tasting peanut butter whiskey. Okay, Brenna, I know you only drink wine. I know you're not big on, like, beer or liquor or anything. Have you ever, have you ever, you've had whiskey, right? Yes, I went to, my friend had a whiskey tasting once. And I hated every minute of it. I had a feeling that would be the answer. Okay, so we all know my boyfriend's kind of adventurous. He loves to try new things, which is good because it gets me to try new things. We have peanut butter whiskey. It's fucking strong. (laughs) Fucking strong, okay? So it just made me, like, think, and I was just like, oh, man, like, that totally sounds right that Will would be into, like, super sweet liquors. What kind of, like... Chicago Med characters and their drink choices. I mean, I think Sabina's definitely like a neat whiskey kind of girl, like just like takes it straight. Will would totally be into the sweet liquors and like the girly drinks. I could see it. I could 100% see that. Yeah. 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 I think Goodwin would be another one who just drinks whiskey straight. I could see Uh, that. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, We all know Marcella's a Sazerac. I mean, we all know Void's drink of choice too. Yep. Yep. Uh, What about Natalie? Hmm. 
I don't know. I feel like Natalie's just a classic like wine drinker. I think so. Yeah, I could see that. Um, Maggie probably does like a mixed drink. She probably does like yeah, not like a Moscow Mule, but like a vodka soda or something like that. Mm-hmm. Who else we got? April. Ooh, April. I feel like April's a martini kind of girl. Oh, I could see that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like super, like sophisticated. Yeah, I could totally yeah. see that. Um, who else? Ethan's a beer guy. Oh, 100%. Like IPAs and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Is that, oh, Dr. Charles? Did we talk about Dr. Charles? No, Who's we Dr. didn't Charles? yet. What is he drinking? I'm thinking, I'm thinking. He's, he's really like, he's refined. He's, you know, stoic. I think he doesn't drink much, but if he does drink, it's like a, it's like vodka neat or something. Yeah. Is that all the med characters? I mean, all the major ones, I think. Yeah, all the major ones. Connor probably drank drank whiskey neat. Yeah. I feel like med, just everyone in med drinks a lot of whiskey. Straight whiskey. (laughs) Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't surprise me at all that Will tried peanut butter whiskey and was like, that's pretty good. It's fucking strong. <laughs> yeah, the looks that she was giving Will as she, like, casually sipped her whiskey. I was just like, yes. The death glare was good. And then the whole time they're like, yeah, you should. Uh, Barrowman's like, yeah, you should really consider, like, doing this. Like, we both think you'd be really great. And Will's like, yeah, I think I will. I, I really think I'm going to try. So he's like, I guess, seriously considering going the clinical trial route. I can't help but ask why. Is it because that you can do shady shit and get away with it? I mean, I get, I don't know. I don't know. William? I think he likes the praise, honestly. I think that's part of it. And he has gotten a lot of praise. Yeah. I think he likes the pat on the back. So. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so... Will has admitted he has unblinded one of his pa- one patient from the trial. About damn time, though. He, yeah, like he he did <coughs> he did owe Sabina the truth. It's just, just not that like he, that. Yeah, yeah. It's just that he felt zero remorse for it. It wasn't even like, oh, I feel bad. It was like a totally half-assed. I'm sorry. Well, and remember when he did it the first you know when he actually did it and then that's kind of when he started flirting to like cover his ass so he's been essentially playing her this whole time literally got her in bed and then was like oh yeah like i am blinded unblinded a patient like i would be pissed if i was hurt like beyond pissed that is so yeah you bring up a good point there that like the flirting like was he actually into her or was he just flirting to cover his ass i mean i'm i'd say there's like a 10 percent of him that was actually into her. I'm not saying he was a complete, 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 complete asshole and totally used her. I think there was part of him that was attracted to her, but I think it's like mostly because he was covering his ass. Did he use her? I think so. Which is why it's always frustrated me beyond the fact that I just think she and Ethan have way more chemistry. Uh, it's really always frustrated me because at least her and Ethan... It's, it's a genuine connection over something they have, like, a shared interest in, right? Mm-hmm. Regardless, even if it just ends up being friends. Like, they have a bond over something they, you know, like. And that's what they've talked about and whatever. Ethan or Will's just like, yeah, I really admire you. I think you're great. Like, let's go out for dinner. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, it feels so... I don't know. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, so you guys, of course, had things to say. And Megan said, really, Will? He hops into bed with Verani? I thought she was an Ethan. Nice to see him working with Matt again, though. For once, I agree with Dr. Verani. Will broke the rules, so she has every right to be mad. Although they should have talked about this weeks ago, I'm happy that Will's getting his punishment of sorts. Okay, so Megan also brings up a point that we were missing there, is that he he came clean to get Nat's mom into the trial. It's 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 the kind of thing where, like, you never forget your first love, right? But I also don't even think he was intentionally trying to come clean. Because he mentions that the drug works, and then she's like, wait, what? And he's like, you know, it's like, oh, man, I was caught. Darn. Yeah, and but it's-, it's because he wanted to get Carol into the trial. Right, but I don't even think he was intentionally trying. T- I mean, yes, he was trying to get Carol into the trial, but I don't think he was intentionally be- going into that meeting being like, yeah, I am blinded a patient. Mm-hmm. he just happened to make the comment about the drug works and then when she pushed back he was like oh shit i've been caught <laughs> oops i did it again <laughs> i played with your heart <laughs> <Quite> literally <laughs> oh man just, Allie's- you know, trial. just trial humor anyway <laughs> ali said will is an actual fucking dumbass Girl, yes. Mm-hmm. Did he really think that telling Dr. Verani he jeopardized the whole trial and both of their jobs would help his case? At the same time, I'm kind of glad he had the guts to tell her instead of her finding out some other way. By the way, I do not ship this. Same. 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 Seconded. Yep, thirded in. Whatever, yeah. She has so much more chemistry with Ethan. Oh my god. It's kind of driving me insane. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um... Anyway, so Jess said, seriously, though, can Will stop breaking the rules all the time? I know technically this happened a few months ago, and I love Will. I'm a loyal member of the Will Halstead Defense Squad, after all. I think we need t-shirts. I mean, I don't want a t-shirt, but I think there needs to be a design. Oh, my God. We do. For the people who want one. I don't want one, but you need one. (laughs) I will be the captain of the Will Halstead Defense Squad. I will take one for the team, (laughs) gladly. But not in this episode. And it says, but it feels like the same storyline over and over with him. And Nick's a great actor. Can we give him new material already? I guess I'm just glad he came to clean to Verani because the people, these people keep too many secrets from each other. But I was surprised she didn't blow up at him more, though. And putting Will in charge of more clinical trials just feels like a recipe for disaster. This was a funnish little detour, but can he stick to the ED from now on? And then she went on to say, I know you guys are fans of Ethan and Verani, but honestly, I just don't get much chemistry off of either ship in this love triangle. I wonder if Verani is going to stay past the end of the season and whether that means we'll see a proper love triangle or it will just fizzle out. I would like to see Verani stay. I would too. Let's get to know her more. I've kind of like, I've kind of, yeah, I've liked having her. And like for those first few episodes, she was only around for like one scene each. Yeah. So yeah, I'd be here for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's all that's going on on the Will and Verani side. But like, <laughs> that's all. That's all. Just shady all. shit. Same old, same old. Yeah, yeah. So next up, we've got Dr. Charles and Anna. Okay, this Ramona storyline, eh, it got tired fast. I know. I'm not, And it's still not over. Nope. No. She's going to okay. pop up at least one more time. But I will say... Um, and I've had, I looked up the girl's name last night and now I can't remember it. Uh, but the girl who plays Ramona, I'm trying to find her name right this second. She is like 
killing this though oh yeah no she's incredible that's got to be really hard to play a, a, a character like that cordelia dudeny i don't know if i said that last night dude nice anyway she actually is like killing all this yeah yeah that's got to be so hard to do yeah but uh, yeah i'm over it already <laughs> okay so dr charles brings anna to work because she is grounded and he doesn't trust her yeah apparently mm-hmm. she's been like sneaking out doing teenage stuff yeah but, like, dr Char- and she's like dad you're fe- i'm feeling trapped how am i supposed to have a life and he's like don't do that <laughs> i know like maybe it's just been so long since i've been a teenager but i'm like anna like not that hard Right. Listen to your parents every once in a while and they'll let you have some freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they get to Dr. Charles's office and Ramona is there waiting for him. And it's awkward. She's just like, Dr. Charles. Like, oh my God, is this your daughter? Um, and Dr. Charles is like, you probably want to talk to like your outpatient therapist. You know, that's why they're there. And she's like, no, like, I don't think he's helping. <clears throat> and Dr. Charles is like, no, but you need to give him more time. So Anna just goes, she's weird. Yeah. Comment of the century. Yes. Yes. So later on, Ramona comes into the ED and she can't stop throwing up. Um, And they immediately are like, oh, shit, it's Ramona. Mm -hmm. So she admits, she's like, oh, yeah, I took something, but I won't tell you what I took. Until I can see Dr. Charles. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So her stats keep dropping, but she's still just like, I'll never tell. I'm not saying anything. And Dr. Charles goes to see her, but she's just like, no, like, I want you to be my doctor. And she's like, no, like, I want you. And he's like, just like you wanted Dr. Bridges. Like, I'm getting serious, like, serial killer vibes off of her. Like, scary movie, Ava Becker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So she makes a deal, finally tells him that she took insecticide. So Will gives her the right meds. Just insecticide. Casual. Casual casual so dr charles holds up his end of the deal goes to see ramona and they talk a lot about her relationship with her dad even though like she really doesn't want to uh dr charles gets called away because anna has an emergency air quotes air quotes uh, turns out emergency is just code for the wi-fi not working which okay brenna i saw your tweet i saw your tweet during during med and you know you were just like well wait like actual emergencies happen here okay but no wi-fi is an actual emergency in my book <laughs> i just i understand i mean because i yeah i freak out too when the internet doesn't work but like you're in a hospital that is not the time to call your dad away to be like hey dad i have no internet Okay, but also it's med. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess, but I feel like that's the excuse where you're like, it's med. I guess, but still. Yeah. But yeah, it yeah. ended up being terrible because while Dr. Charles is out dealing with Anna's silly emergency, Ramona escapes. Yep. Yep. Ramona oh. just goes, pew, and she leaves. So Dr. Charles goes back to his office at the end of the day and he has a heart to heart with Anna. Yeah, but I keep screwing up. I mean, I bet you wish that I'd gone to live with mom instead. I don't wish that, not even a bit. Okay, but look at everything that you do for me and then look what I do. Anna, honey, I'm your dad. Okay, you you don't owe me anything. Nor is it your job to please me. But it is my job to do everything I can to help you thrive in life. But honey, that's not gonna matter if I can't keep you safe in the first place. 
Right, which is why, I, honey, I can't just like fling open the barn door and let you roam around. <laughs> you, you understand that, right? I mean, she's doing her best. She's trying. I actually really have enjoyed the Dr. Charles Anna stuff. Like, I didn't yeah. think I was because I feel like some of the earlier Anna stuff, I was like, eh, okay, like this is fine. But like this season, I've really enjoyed it. I think they've really done a good job at fleshing out the storyline. Being a teenager was hard when I was a teenager. I couldn't imagine being a teenager during a pandemic. Like being a pan- being a teenager right now. Right. One especially too. And then also like a teenager with an older dad. Um, you know, yeah, it's definitely I don't think easy, but I think, you know, she's trying. I think Anna has such a good heart. It's just that, I mean, she's a teenager. Teenagers make mistakes. They do things, you know, and that's just, that's just what we're seeing is Anna kind of hitting those bumps and just going through those bumps every teenager goes through. Yeah. But no, I really, I really haven't. Well, the Ramona part, I don't care for, but the Anna part, I like this storyline. Yeah. What's the end game here? Cause like this can't end in Dr. Charles getting shot since we've already done that. (laughs) Since we've already done that. I don't know. But it can't be good. Is this going to be the cliffhanger? That's what I'm saying. We can't do that. We've already done it. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Question mark. I don't know. So Jess said, Ramona popping back up was definitely par for the course. I don't think anyone thought we'd seen the last of her. Her storyline with Dr. Charles is playing out pretty much as expected and maybe a little cliched, but I'm still enjoying it. I like any storyline where Dr. Charles kind of gets to take the lead and show off how good of a psychologist he is and how perceptive he is about his patients. Yes, yes. And surprisingly, I actually liked seeing Anna brought back into the storyline. Her needing the password and saying it was an emergency was pretty facepalm worthy, but she's a teenager. It's not unrealistic for her to be melodramatic like that. What I like about Anna as a character is that she's relatively self-aware. Yes, very much so. And that's hard at like 16 years old or however she's supposed to be. Yeah. She makes mistakes, but then she can see pretty quickly how the consequences of her actions affect other people. And she feels bad and apologizes. Honestly, as a reaction to making a mistake, it's probably healthier than most of the adults of Chicago men. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Uh, I'm curious to see if Anna will continue to play a role in Ramona's storyline with Dr. Charles. She talked about having a bad relationship with her father, so I wonder if Ramona is seeing Dr. Charles as a father figure and might even come to see Anna as a threat. Just a theory, of course, but I'm interested to see how it plays out in the next few episodes. Just a theory, but a theory that makes a hell of a lot of sense. Don't hurt Anna. I don't need her to, like, try to kidnap Anna, which, I mean, I'm not throwing... I mean, she probably would, but... I think you just figured out the cliffhanger. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I did. Man... I know. I hate that I'm going to probably be right. Damn it. Yeah, I know. Can we just protect Anna Charles? Protect Anna Charles, please, at all costs. She's so sweet. But yeah, I think I just figured it out, and I'm just... Damn it. I know. I know. Take us through, Natalie. Oh, man. Natalie, there wasn't a ton here, but what was here was very frustrating. Anyway, let's warm up those vocal cords because yeah. it's coming. So Will asked Natalie, like, how her mom's doing. And that's like, oh, yeah, she's doing pretty good. But then Natalie and Crockett go to Natalie's mom's doctor's appointment. I mean, I'm not complaining. But <laughs> anyway, and apparently she's actually not doing that great. 
And so Natalie, of course, is like feeling down about the whole thing. And she's like, oh, like, I wonder if Will will still consider her for the trial. Like, I know it's kind of a long shot, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so she goes to ask Will and Will's like, ah, oh, you know what? Unfortunately, enrollment's in close, but like, I'll ask Dr. Verani. Because of course. Yeah. And as we know already, Dr. Verani says, hell no, to Natalie's mom joining the trial. Um, and so Will has to tell her and, and Natalie's like, okay, you know, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Nat's mom, of course, still not doing great. So they want to place this thing called an AICD to help her regulate her heartbeat. But her mom is like not thrilled about that. So Natalie is back in the ED when the UPS guy comes to pick up a package for Kinder that has the bottle of medis- trial medicine that Will's patient that died earlier in this episode had like in his pocket or whatever. So Natalie tells the UPS guy like, oh no, like it was already picked up. You're fine. And he's like, okay, cool. And, but it wasn't. The box was still there. And then at the very end of the episode, we see Natalie proceed to give it to her mom, that medicine to her mom at home later that night. What are you doing? But actually, though. That is the most Natalie thing I've ever seen. But also, like, the most Natalie thing, but also to the next level. Yes. Like, yeah, that's some next level Natalie Manning shit. It really is, though. I just, I can't, I can't. This is going to end so badly, which, like, we say that all the time, so I'm going to take a drink. But it's not, though. No, but it is, because it's Will's name on the bottle. So you know what's going to happen is that Will's going to get that promotion with, like, the trial stuff. They're going to be like, yeah, like, come join. And then they're going to be like, oh, this happened? Like, but he you're- didn't deserve it anyway. So does it really matter? I mean, I guess it does. But, like, because she's going behind Will's back. But, like, does it really matter? If it fucks up his, if it fucks up his job in the, you know, for kinder, does it really matter? Because he deserved to be fired anyway. Uh, that's a tough question that's a tough question i mean yeah he deserved to be fired anyway because he unblinded what's her face he completely compromised the integrity of the study which like he shouldn't be getting this promotion anyway it's just that that's going to be what takes him down is the fact that his name is on the bottle yeah but then like where does manstead go from there is there any hope from them at all because then will's going to be pissed and be like natalie you sabotaged my career what about Mansell? What about Mansell? Is this the end of Mansell that I, as I knew it? Oh, I didn't even think of that. What is Crockett gonna think? That she's crazy. I don't. I don't know if I. I, mean, I think mm. he's gonna understand that her heart was in the right place, right? That like she just, you know, wants her mom to be okay. And like, I think anyone, like, I get that. But that doesn't mean you had to go about it like this. And, and Crockett understands coloring outside of the lines. Do you think, though, I kind of had this thought, and I hate that I had this thought. Do you think Natalie, not that she's mad at Crockett or anything, because I don't think she's mad at him, but, like, Crockett is kind of the one, even though she says he didn't, like, Crockett's kind of the one who put the idea of the Elvat in her head when she kind of wanted, potentially, to maybe go the, like, clinical trial route. Mm-hmm. Do you think she, like has not again not hates him obviously she doesn't hate him she loves him but like 
I feel like there's some resentment. Right. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. I think it's a good theory. Um, I mean, I don't want it to be because obviously, hello, Team Ansel, but like. (laughs) No, I think it's a good theory. I think the question comes up of if, did, did Natalie feel pressured last week, like to please Crockett? Because like she knew he felt insecure about Will being around. Like, I think. I, that's what I want. I, what what reasoning went into her deciding that the Elvad was the right route for her mom? That's right. the question I would ask. But yeah. also, I mean, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that Natalie has the same qualifications as Crockett and Will, and she's perfectly capable of coming to her own conclusions. Right, a hundred percent. But that is, yeah, that's a valid concern. Is you know, I, did she feel pressured by him to choose the Elvad because and I don't he was think insecure? She did. I don't think she did, but I do wonder because I, I don't think she did. But I do wonder if you know that's going to play into it at all. I don't know. And they kind of seem to blow it off that like, no, it's not going to be an issue like in this week's episode. But I don't, I, I don't know. Okay, but also, what was the tweet we got from Connor on one Chicago Wednesday? Okay, so so Connor Patrick is the script coordinator for Chicago Med, and he tweeted us midway through the episode and was like, "When I tell you that the last couple of episodes are going to be a roller coaster ride, like gear up." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm scared. Yep. I yeah. Also, Connor, open invite to join us anytime. By the way. If he can, I don't know if he can, but yes, yeah, that's if he true. Can, anytime. Yeah. So, but yeah, I just, oh man. I know. I Natalie, know. Natalie, Natalie, Natalie. Just, just, yeah. I think when we, when we first saw this episode, we texted each other and we're both just like, Natalie and Will are back on their bullshit. It's a, it really never changes though. It like, really doesn't. And part of me is like, yes, I'm frustrated, but like, would this be the same show that we love if it's not like if they're not doing the same things like would i be disappointed if they're not doing this kind of same bullshit (laughs) is it boring if natalie and will don't break the rules but i mean kind of though but that is my valid question is like is it boring if they don't break the rules right right so take us through Allie. okay Allie said literally what you said earlier natalie just pulled some next level shit Giving her mom stolen trial meds? I guess she's desperate to make her mom get better, which may partially excuse the stealing meds part. Just a little. But the fact that they're trial meds is ridiculous. There are so many ways that could go wrong medically, and it's just not worth the double risk of her mom's health and committing a crime. What is Remember that episode when the guy went to the ED on his friend's insurance, and he ended up having that allergic reaction to the antibiotics, and it made his skin, like, burn inside out? That's a risk. What if that happens to Nat's mom? Oh, man. And it's an interesting point that, like, it is just trial meds. But I think the indication, especially what from based on Sabina and uh, Will's conversations, is that, like, this medicine is going to work. And that, like, had she gotten in the trial and gotten not one of those placebo ones, it would have worked. So I think that's kind of the implication and that we're meant to believe that Natalie's making the right choice because by her mom getting on the trial meds, she would be okay. Yeah. So, yeah. but it is an issue point I didn't even think about. So, I don't know. I just, I watch so many medical shows. I'm like, I know what's up. 
So Rory said, I have to apologize to the Will Halstead fans last night. And in parentheses said, you, Gina, because I really thought that fool was going to give the medication to Natalie's mom. I never thought that she would lose the keys to her brain and take a medication. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> lose the keys to her brain. I love that. But Will and Natalie are a match made in medical malpractice heaven. But actually, though, but actually, actually though. But Will and Natalie, yeah, so these two deserve each other. The recklessness of Natalie is unfathomable. She's reached beyond Will Halstead's level of recklessness. Will might sacrifice his career to save Natalie. I don't think that's a might. I think Will would. I think he would, too. Yeah. Which is also crazy. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. I just, yeah. Yep. Who is the more reckless one, though, honestly? We really oh, need to come up with, like, a flowchart thing on, like, all of Will and Natalie's, like, crazy medical malpractice and <laughs> the crazy shit that they've done. But if you're yeah. asking who's the more reckless of the two, ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, I feel like you got to go with quality over quantity here because I think Will has done more, like, Will has more incidents of doing reckless shit. But Natalie's are more memorable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, because Will's only real one memorable one, I'd say, for the most part, is the DNR. Yeah. Like, that's his big one. Yep. Whereas Natalie has a couple, not as many, but bigger, like, more memorable ones. Yes. I agree with that. Yeah. Definitely quality over quantity. In this yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is sad to say, but, like... <laughs> Yeah. It's a mess. Um, so Jess said, sad about Natalie's mom. Why do I have a feeling Natalie taking those meds and giving them to her mom is going to end so badly? I love how they had that big dramatic zoom in on the pill bottle at the end, though, as if we needed to see it to know what it was. I think that as soon as we saw the package, we all knew what was going to happen. See, and I think the big deal about zooming in on the pill bottle was Will's name on it. I think that was the big deal. Oh, man. I just, yeah. I know. I know. Um, and then Geekazoid said something, Brian Earmuffs, um, when Natalie gets caught, is that the end of Manzel? I also just asked that, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I, I don't know, know. Brian needs a minute now. It's like one ship's starting to sail and the other's going to go, yeah, go. No, I, I don't think it's the end of Mansell. And I think if that's enough for Marcel to be like, I need a break, then that's not, that doesn't reflect well on him. But, like, I mean, I don't know. Could I mean, if you were in his situation, though, and you found out that Charlie, you know, did something similar, like, yes, I think you'd feel for him because it was his mom, right? But, like, he also just committed a crime. Okay, but it's not my name on the bottle. And it's to save his mom. Um... I think I'm just like, why would you do that? It could cost you your license. I can't believe you were so fucking reckless. But he's he's my man. Like I'm I'm, I'm gonna yeah, stand by him. Point. That's a good point. Now now okay, so if, if it's Will and Natalie who are together, and Natalie does this shit, and I'm like, okay, well now you put my medical license in jeopardy. Think that's a different story. Yeah, that's a good point. He's, I think that's it, a different story. That's a good point. Yeah. She put Will's license in jeopardy, not Marcel's. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Oh, man. Just Natalie, Natalie, Natalie. It's a mess. <clears throat> so next up, we've got Choi and Dr. Archer. This was actually not bad. I Yeah, I'd like a good, I mean, <laughs> I'd love a good military storyline. So the PTSD, and I just, yeah. 
<laughs> okay, so we start off and CFD called. There was an accident at a house under renovation and one person is seriously injured and trapped under the debris. So Archer and Choi, they're on their way to the scene and they start talking about how it reminds them of their time overseas. And Choi is just like starting to notice that, you know, Archer might be getting a little triggered here. Just kind of a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so they get to the scene, they run into Brett, and Cruz takes them down to the victim who is trapped in the basement. Violent fighting! I know, we got not just one, not just two, we got three CFD people. I just... Well, not only that, when you talk to Hanako, she was saying, she was like, I really want to work with, you know, Brian T. And she got to work with them. Although I wonder, based on the timing of that, I feel like she'd either already filmed it or knew she was going to film it. I love it. Also, she crossed, she's now crossed off two of her three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wanted to work with Patty. She wanted to work with Brian. And Marina. And, okay, Marina. Marina. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just so fun seeing her. And, like, the fact that they didn't even have to introduce her. um, Toy's just like, hey, Violet, what's up? And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Love it. Love it. Okay, so they get their patient ready for transport when bullets start flying. Like, could this get any worse for Archer? Just a typical, like, day out in the field. This is just so unlucky. Like, it's so bad. It's so unlucky. Okay, so there's a gang fight that broke out nearby, and so the neighborhood is on lockdown. No ambos in, no ambos out. I think Archer would have been fine if this hadn't happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Same. I mean, he was still a little finicky, of course, but yeah. Oh, my God, this poor guy. Okay, so is it, who, who says this next line? Is it, is it Troy? Ethan, yeah. Ethan, yeah. So Ethan's like, listen, Joe, like, this guy can't wait. If he doesn't get to a hospital, like, he's going to die. Oh, oh, weren't his intestines, like, hanging out? Yeah, but they had that, like, you know, in the bag or whatever, yeah. Because that's going to solve it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, oops, there go my intestines again. Oh, let's just get this grocery bag. That'll solve it. Do you intend to make another, the same Britney Spears reference again? Say it again. What'd you, you say? said, oops, my intestines again. And like we just did, oops, I did it again. Did you make, <laughs> clearly you did. That was unintentional. That was clearly unintentional. Anyway. I'm gonna drink some more. Um, yeah, so <laughs> Dean is like, he's a little shaken up at this point. And the patient keeps tanking. But I mean, Dean is doing his best. He is trying his damnedest. Like, he knows what's going on. He knows he's getting triggered. But he's like, no. Like, I'm going to focus. I'm going to do this. Like, I got this. They've run out of blood. He's got to bleed somewhere. Everything that is happening is reminiscent of their time overseas. And, you know, you see Dean start to panic, right? Like, he's hyperventilating. It's starting to kick in. He is clearly suffering from PTSD while he's trying to find this bleed. And Choi is just like, all right, like, we're going to talk through it. It's cool. Like, don't worry. What's happening is happening. But like, I'm here with you. We're grounded. Like we're in Chicago. We know what's going on. They find the bleed. They get it clamped. And they get they get the okay from PD to leave. So like, awesome. They get back to the hospital. Everything is fine. And so Ethan's like, we need to talk about what happened. And Dr. Tar- Dr. Archer's like, no. We've been through worse in Afghanistan. <laughs> hey. Yeah. No. The things we saw over there, I'm still rattled by them. But Dr. Charles helped me, and he can help you too. Therapy? Come on. If you broke your leg, you treat it, right? Mental health is no different. There shouldn't be a stigma attached to it. Oh, listen, it's, it's not about that at all. I don't need therapy. 
PTSD just doesn't go away, Dean. Therapy gives you the tools to deal with it. So what a good single malt is for. I'm serious. Hey, you need to get help. Look, you were the commanding officer. Always putting the needs of others first. It's time to take care of yourself. I just, I can't believe this ends with the fact that Archer's like, yeah, I'll do it. And then doesn't fake, and then actually like fake text Dr. Charles. I, it's, I think it's a pride thing. I mean, it is, but it's just, it's also just like, really? Like, really? Well, I mean, I don't know. I like, I can't speak to it from the military perspective. I can only speak to it from my experience. And I knew I needed help. So I knew therapy was like, non-negotiable I, I i can only guess what it would feel like from the military perspective that you know there is a stigma around therapy still which there shouldn't be at this point because like right. it's 2021 but yeah it's like, more the act of like him coming around and saying yeah i'm gonna do it and then being like fake text fake text dr charles b b b b b b b b b and then like you know i think it's just to get but i get to it, get yeah. ethan off his back yeah, I mean, I get it. It's just, you know. But I hope he gets the help he needs. I think that'll be really interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to take this moment to step back on my soapbox and say, it is okay to ask for help. A hundred percent. It is okay to not be okay. Preach, Gina. Just going to, like, give me that megaphone to, like, yeah. Just, it's okay to be not okay. It's okay. And it is okay to ask for help. It's okay. Yeah. I've done it. I still do it. I still see a therapist. So it's totally fine. Mm -hmm. And ask me questions if you want to. We can talk about it. It's totally fine. Yep. Tina's inbox is always open. It, but it really is, though. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. asking questions is how we learn, right? Asking questions, having mm -hmm. these conversations, that's how we broach the taboo topic. And that's how we learn. And yep. I'm a big advocate for mental health. Again, I get on my soapbox, but it's a big deal. It's a big issue. I have lost friends to suicide from mental health. And I don't want anybody to go through that. So that's me on my soapbox. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to ask for help always. And you guys can message me anytime with questions you may have. I am done. I'm stepping off the soapbox. It's okay. Alrighty. So Megan said, we are really hashtag blessed. Not only did we get Cruz and Violet to appear, we also got Brett too. This is the most crossover appearance I've seen this season on any of any show. Yes. And yet we still can't get Jay and Will in the same scene. No, but I will take this 100%. Especially yeah. because, like, for so long, we couldn't have any. And now we're getting a bunch. You know, we had, like, Will on fire. And then we have Patty on fire. And I don't know when anyone else will ever show back up on PD, but whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just been really fun to, like, start to see them all interact again. Because that's what makes this world so special. Mm -hmm. So it's been fun to, like, see them all again. Yeah, yeah. So... Allie said, okay, so Dr. Archer still isn't my favorite, but I did enjoy getting to see him and Ethan work together in this episode and deal with some of the PTSD. It added more layers to his character, so he's no longer just a one-dimensional asshole. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> Good way to put it. Uh, Jess said, I'm down for any storyline that delves into the character's past, and I think seeing Dean struggling with PTSD really humanized him after being such a hard-ass for the last few episodes. And seeing Ethan reach out and help him through treating the patient really hit me in the feels. It was frustrating to see Dean brush off Ethan's suggestion that he go to therapy. 
Seriously, what is with these doctors? Shouldn't they understand more than anyone how important mental health is? I'm hoping that this isn't the end of the storyline because it definitely made Dean a more sympathetic character to me, more sympathetic as a, to me as a character. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. So, all right. So, last up, I think this is last up, right? Last up. Crockett, There's a lot happening this night, last night. Crockett and April. Crockett and April. It Brina. was like, very refreshing to see them work together again. And not have to like think about all the past bullshit of last season, and you know, just like action, feel, actually have it be like civil. Yes, it, yeah, it was nice to see them work together and not have to worry about sexual tension. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. It yeah. it was very nice. It was nice. Yeah. Brenda, um, take it away. So Crockett and April's patient comes in, and she has chest pain and shortness of breath. Um, but she had had COVID, you know, re- relatively recently, and had obviously had these symptoms since. Uh, but they've gotten worse. Also, of important note to come back to later, this patient is starting to try a family with, or have a, you know, starting to try to start a family with her husband. I cannot get out that night. Damn. Words. Get that out. Words, Words are hard. Anyway, so they get her test back and everything's normal, but like she's still having issues. So clearly something's not right still. And Crockett's like, oh, like maybe it's just a pulmonary embolism. So let's run a chest CT just to make sure. But of course, that comes back normal too. And April's like, well, you know, I spent a bunch of time up in the COVID ward. And, you know, I wonder if you're just having some kind of like emotional trauma, anxiety, like after having COVID. Like we've seen that that's, you know, very prevalent in patients who have had COVID. Um, but then she starts coughing up blood. So Crockett's like, yeah, 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 no, we got to like have bronchoscopy. Like we got to scope her, see what's going on. Turns out it was endometriosis that, that had migrated to her lungs. That sounds awful. I know. It sounds so scary and just like not fun. All of our male listeners were just like, uh-oh. Like they just like cringed for a second. Yeah. So Marcel wants to induce early menopause, but she's again, determined to have a baby. Because they waited, you know, so long for her to recover from COVID to have the baby, start trying to have a baby. So she's like, no, we're going to have a baby. And so April's like, okay, Crockett. And so Crockett's like, okay, fine. There is a second option, which would include performing a lobectomy. And that would just be a temporary fix. You know, obviously it could still come back. But she's like, the patient's like, if it means I can solve a baby, like, it's worth it. Uh, I just want to point out that this is basically the procedure that Ethan wanted to perform on Stella, thus ending her firefighting career just throwing that out there casually taking part of her law no big no big deal nbt no big deal no no big deal so they go have the surgery april stops crockett later and he's like yeah the surgery was a success but april's still kind of beating herself up because you know she thought it was everything was being caused by anxiety and crockett just encourages her which again was so refreshing to see yeah and he's like you know you made a diagnosis a very plausible one based on your experience and like that's what medicine's all about building on what you already know a lot of docs get their mds like that's it they know it all and he's like you're not like that you keep going for it that's how you make a difference I am so here for everybody at Chicago Med lifting April up. I'm so here for it. Yeah. And then she decides to, you know, she's feeling pretty good about herself then. So she decides to go look up like nurse practitioner programs in Chicago. Yes. Okay. But you have experience in the medical field ish. What's the difference between being a nurse practitioner and just going to med school? Well, I mean, you can't do as much. I mean, you're not a doctor. Mm -hmm. It's still not like you're not a doctor. Like, you, you know, it's just different. 
It's just different level. Like, it's, you know, you're not a doctor. Go do the thing, April. Go do the thing. You can do it. Um, but yeah, like, I was actually having a conversation with my dad about this when I got, when we got home tonight, because I was like, okay, well, because I only really am familiar with nurse practitioner settings in, you know, like family practices, you know, mm-hmm. like outside of a hospital. And I was like, well, how common are they? Like, in emergency departments, whatever. My dad's like, yeah, they're really common. Mm-hmm. Um, only because, but he was mentioning it, like, hospitals really I guess not like to have them but it's cheaper to have them Hmm. so for the hospitals from the hospital perspective it's cheaper it's better for them to have more nurse practitioners in places like emergency rooms because they can still do basically everything that a doctor can obviously not the surgery parts and whatever but they can do basically everything a doctor can and it's cheaper because they're not fully doctors so the salaries are different of course interesting so, and I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah, so he and I were having a conversation about it, but regardless of all that, I still think it'd be awesome for her to become a nurse practitioner. So awesome. Go do the thing, April, go do the thing. And a lot of, apparently my dad was also telling me, you know, a lot of nurses do t- try, you know, that is like a next step for a lot of nurses. Like when they want to like, you know, feel like they need to like go to the next level in their career. A lot of them do go from nurses to nurse practitioners. So. Okay, Cool. I really hope that they see this through. Um, And I had this conversation with Jennifer the week that you were out. Is that like, they need to see this through. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it ends up being, like if it ends up being nurse practitioner versus like med school, cool with that too. Whatever it ends up being, I need to, I want to see this for her. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's going to kick ass. Oh, hell yes. Yeah. Hell yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. And the stuff that April gets in trouble for is stuff that she'd get away with as a doctor slash nurse practitioner. Yeah. So it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So take us through, Megan. Megan said, yes, April's interested in being a nurse practitioner. It's not a doctor, but it's the next best thing. I'm glad Crockett encouraged her in a much nicer manner. Very intrigued to see where the story goes. Yeah. Yeah. And I do love that too, that everybody in the hospital is lifting her up. Like Lannick was like, you'd be damn good at this. And Crockett's like, yeah, yeah, you, you've got a knack for this. So I love that everybody's boosting her up. Yeah. It's good. really fun. Yeah. Jess said, it looks like April is definitely looking into doing more study, but not to be a doctor as we all thought, but to become a nurse practitioner. Not sure if you guys ever watched One Day at a Time, but the main character of that show had a similar character arc. So this will be cool to see. Just can't remember how a nurse practitioner differs from a doctor. I know we just went through that. Um, and I wonder if April will be able to stay in the ED as a nurse practitioner. Presumably, unless they're planning on writing Yaya off the show. Uh-uh, nope, we're not doing that. Nope, 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 We didn't hear that. We didn't hear that. Did you watch One Day at a Time? I've seen like one or two episodes. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't get around to it. So, um, yeah. yeah. But, yes, please, to April taking the next step. Yeah. Any other notes on med? No, solid episode. Yeah, very solid. A little ragey. I mean, a lot ragey, but like still a solid episode. Still a very solid episode. Also, I definitely just burped into the mic. I really hope nobody heard that. (laughs) I didn't. So okay, good, good. Um, You just pointed it out, but whatever. We'll see what the mic picks up when we listen back to the episode. (laughs) All right, moving into fire. This is man. I know, I know, I know, I know. Brenna is ready to go. This is the first time that like the episode ended and I was like, that was nice. Like I feel calm and relaxed after that. Like that was a relief. 
Oh, man, I love this episode. I know you did. I know you did. <laughs> uh, Bretzi is first up, and I'm just going to hand the reins to Bryna because she's ready to please, go. So please hand it over. Go hand do the thing. You got this. Go talk okay. Bretzi. So we start off, and Casey is getting checked out while Brett waits for him in the waiting room. And I just loved how they cut back and forth through this whole scene, too, of, like, you see the doctor, like, working with Casey, and then you see, like, Brett waiting in the waiting room, and it goes back to Casey. Like, I thought that was, like, very well, like, pieced together. Mm-hmm. So, of course, though, Casey needs an MRI, and because he's having possible temporal lobe seizures. Wonderful. Cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah cool. Just another day on fire. And so, of course, the MRI will confirm whatever. And, of course, so he's, like, freaking out. He's, like, I can't be a firefighter anymore. Oh, my God. And so it's, like, hey, hey, whatever. You know, like, no matter what, like, we will figure it out. Like, got you. So Casey actually is being pretty smart about this whole thing, finally, and actually goes and tells Bowden and Severide himself. I did love how, like, he was relaying the information to Bowden, but Severide was in the corner like a concerned dad, just like, like, what's happening? Yeah, it's like, oh my god, I can't believe I didn't pick up on this before. Holy shit. Yep, yep. Yeah, and like the look that then when Casey walks out, like Bowden and Severide share that look, and you're just like, oh man. And like, I thought they were going to say something, and then they don't, and I was just like, oh man. Well, because Casey's like, yeah, no, I'm fine. It's totally not a big deal. And they share that look, and all they're saying is like, he's not fine. Yeah. He's not fine. So they have the morning announcements and Bowden's like, you know, Casey's going to take it easy for the next couple of shifts. Like, I'm going to fill in for him on 81. Mouse is going to take the first chair. It's all going to be fine. But, like, the concern on Gallo's face when Bowden actually says something, it's like, oh, shit, I was actually right. <laughs> it's like that Lion King meme. Like, Dad, <laughs> get up, Dad. We got to go. <laughs> oh, man. And, but it was, though. It, it, it really was. Yeah. And then Casey actually goes and apologizes to Gallo. Yeah. And like, you know, about like the he's like, you know, you were right to stay on me about the headaches. And I was just like, oh my God, who is this guy? Who is this? <laughs> and Gallo's in your monologue. He's like, are you proud of me? <laughs> it was so funny though, because Jennifer texted us and she was like, man, like the first thing I thought was going to come out of Gallo's mouth was like, yeah, no problem, dad. What's up? And it's just <laughs> like, oh man. But yep. that has rubbed off on everybody. I have, but like also you can't unsee it. I know it's yeah. it's terrible, mm-hmm. but then Casey gets all like emo because he sees the turnout closet door open and he decides to walk in and just like start staring at his turnout jacket and thinking about all the possibilities of like what if I can't you know what happens when I'm not in the CFD anymore and blah 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 and I was like Casey don't do this to yourself we should put a clip of the Sarah McLaughlin animal song in here where she goes I will remember you <laughs> I will Oh man. Oh, <sighs> it's funny, but it's not funny. But it's funny. But it's funny. But it's funny. So then we go to Molly's, of course, for off shift, and Brett and Granger are there, and she apologizes to him for missing out on their ski trip. And he's like, it's fine, it's fine, I swear. And she's like, you know, I just didn't want my friend to go through this medical stuff solo. My friend. She's not lying to him. I, he's I, a friend. I, I know, I know, I know. We'll get there. We'll get there in a second. She's not lying. And they agree to make it up at an omelet festival that's apparently happening in Chicago. I mean, and, I like brunch. Cool. That sounds yeah. really good to me. Yeah. 
So, meanwhile, Severide is so worked up about the fact that he hasn't been a good friend to Casey because he didn't notice something was wrong with him. I feel like I haven't been a good friend. You've been going through something and I should have picked up on it. That's on me. I made sure you didn't pick up on it. Why? You can tell me anything. You better know that by now. Yeah, I do. It's just... I grew up in a family full of secrets. I guess it's it's become a fallback for me. Shutting people out. Things get too rough. I'm working on it. Good. You shouldn't be going through something like this alone. Actually, so we found out. But she's been by my side every step of the way. She'll be at the MRI tomorrow. This is so cute. I loved every. I've literally watched this scene probably like twenty times. I love this scene so much. You can tell me anything. You better know that by now. They're so married. He was so mad at him too. He's like, he was like, he's like that. Case like, you know, that's on me. I made sure you didn't do it. He's like, why? (laughs) Severin's so mad that Casey got one over on him. Okay, but there's also a couple things. I also love too how Matt's like, you know, finally admit well not finally admits but you know actually admits that you know he grew up in a family full of secrets so it's just become you know a fallback for him to shut people out Mm -hmm. like i I, it's nice to see him actually talk about it instead of just do it (laughs) yeah um i also just love the whole line when he like looks over at sylvie and he's like actually you know she's been by my step side every step of the way i just love it yeah and severine doesn't say anything and it's nothing like oh so what's going on with you do he's just like well i'm glad somebody's there for you yeah because of course he knows like uh, duh it's just like duh we all know you are such bff goals they really are and this whole scene was like i'm glad casey and severide were the first one chicago Funko pops i had made have you gotten yours yet no not yet i gotta check with mine about my berzik ones yeah i yeah not yet but yeah, I'm just, yeah, any day now, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so the next day, Casey and Brett go for his MRI. She made a fucking playlist for him to listen to in his, while he was getting his MRI. I not just, just that, but Brett is a Swifty. That does not surprise me at all. No, that doesn't surprise me at all either. But like, it's mostly smooth jazz with a couple of Taylor Swift slow jams thrown in. And she's like, I read you're not supposed to listen to anything too stimulating while you have this going on. I'm just like, oh, my God. First of all, too cute. Okay, but we got to sit here. We got to we gotta talk. What Taylor Swift songs are on this playlist? Okay, so I am not a Swiftie. I think you know that. I'm, I'm not like a hardcore Swift. You know, I like some of Taylor Swift. but yeah. I'm, I'm pulling up the tweet last night because I tweeted the same thing. I was like, okay, what's on her playlist? Like, go. And we got a lot of replies. And so that's what I'm going back to find is because... A lot of you guys are way more Swifty than I am. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I'm scrolling. Hang on. Where is it? There we go. Okay. 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 Let's see. Okay. So Lex said, "Love Story," "Back to December," "Cardigan," and "Teardrops on My Guitar." All good songs. Cardigan's a good slow jam. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. When she said Taylor Swift slow jams, I'm like, okay, that's not as much in my wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Carly said Jump Then Fall. I don't know that one. Um, Other Side of the Door. I don't know that one either. Um, Fearless and This Love. I don't know any of those. 
You don't know Fearless? No. I, I, so I you have been listening to the Taylor Swift Fearless version, Taylor Swift version album? I'm not a Swifty. Oh my God, Gina. I know. I but know. Fearless is an amazing album. <laughs> is that the one with um, Romeo, take me somewhere we can be yeah, on? That's is- a love story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, yeah. not a Swifty. Not a Swifty. And so many of you guys right now are like face palming and you're just like this old bitch. How does she not know this? I get it. I get it. Um, Phoenix said, breathe the one and invisible string. I know invisible string. That's a good one. Breathe is good. I like breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, Irea, I don't, I, I probably said that really wrong. I'm so sorry about that. Beautiful eyes or lover. Lover's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fine. Um, Bobby Lynn said, love story. Good one. Uh, Hannah said, Willow, cardigan, and lover. I know all three of those, and those are good. That's good. I associate Willow with Upstead, though. Yeah, I just... There's a... The one, the first one that came to mind when uh, the slow jam, there's a piano version of Forever and Always on this new version of the Fearless album. Mm-hmm. And it's... Oh, it's... The piano version is so good. I, I really love that one. Hmm. Um, but, yeah. I just... I'm not a huge Swifty, but I am a big Taylor Swift albums one through three fan so where wait 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 but where's the love for wildest dreams i love that song i mean i do too and i do like um folklore and evermore like Mm -hmm. those would probably be in you know my top five like if i had to pick taylor swift albums you know like a top five i'd put like albums one through three and then like folklore and evermore and like make a you know combo whatever um but yeah i just the the pop stuff is not as much my fave I mean, I can rank in sync albums. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I liked folk- I, I liked folklore and evermore too. I'm, I'm, I'm again not a Swifty. Um, but other than that, I think like, I, I love, love, love Wildest Dreams and I love Bad Blood. Those are her two that I'm just like, this is a jam. I mean, Bad Blood is a jam, but I, it's not my favorite. It's really I no. don't even get me started on the one she did with Brendan Urie from Panic at the Disco. I. <laughs> I hate that song. Not even Brendan Yuri could save that song. Yeah, it's not my favorite either. Anyway. anyway, welcome to meet us at Taylor Swift chat. Yeah, but we—I mean, we could not. Like Brett said that, and I was like, okay, we—we're gonna have to spend like twenty minutes on this. Yeah, because we can't just throw that out there and mm-hmm. not expect us to talk about it. Anyway, so of course now the MRI happens now he has to wait for like 24 to 48 hours and Brett's just like you know whatever it is you have to let me know ASAP like that is the deal I'm like okay cool also Casey hated the playlist because of course (laughs) of course and she's like I expected you to it's fine um and they're like hanging out and laughing about the playlist or whatever and then Violet interrupts and I'm like Violet I love you but why <laughs> yes who does this <laughs> I'm like why why and she's like hey Brett you left your phone in there and while I was in there I couldn't help but look and notice everyone who called you and she's like yeah you missed calls from your dad and Granger and two from Celebrate Omelette and Brett's like oh fuck and so she walks out it's like you know calling people back whatever and Casey's just like staring at her as she walks away and then later tells her that, like, she doesn't have to go the, get go with him to get his results. Like, he'll be fine. And I'm just like, Casey, like, I get it. You're trying to be, you know, the bigger person. And, you know, but, like, why? Yeah. 
stubborn Casey. So Brett gets back from her tennis ball machine call because <laughs> that's a doozy of a call. Yep. Um, that I don't want to relive. That's honestly, I am the daughter of an orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> I've seen a lot of gross things in my life. I that was I I don't I couldn't even really watch it. <laughs> I mean, I think we should all just agree that we should never stick any of our limbs inside of machinery. Yep. Yep. Because we, 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 I haven't forgotten that call from the early seasons when the girl stuck her hand in the garbage disposal. Like there was that. Um, the guy a couple weeks ago who got like sawed up by the, he had a saw or something and it like sliced his leg. Like, no, let, no. Well, I mean, no. even like the med call where the guy was like doing something with the saw and then it, the roof collapsed on him and it cut his stomach open so yeah if there is machinery we do not stick our limbs inside i think that is a very safe rule to live by yep yeah anyway side note we just had to do a side note on that so brett gets back from that call and goes straight to find casey because the girl had mentioned you know something about like oh i just hope i can play tennis again like you know it's my life i don't know what i do without it blah, 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 blah. so that of course gets brett thinking and she goes straight to find casey when she gets back i'm coming with you to hear the results Sylvie. No, I know firefighting is your whole life, and you're scared as hell, but so am I. We can be scared together. You have your own life to deal with. I was being selfish. Matt Casey, don't argue with me. Just call me when you hear from Carmen, or else. I love this. I, I, I had a feeling you did. I just, I think, first of all, I love that she's like, Matt Casey, don't argue with me, because, like, you don't want to clearly mess with Sylvie. Sylvie's so cute when she gets angry. I know. And she's like, Matt Casey, don't argue with me. Like she when she's mad when she's mad at him, she uses his full name and it's it's cute. Uh but I also just love the whole thing. She's like, you know, I know firefighting's your whole life. Like I get it, and like you're scared, but like I am too. So like let's be scared together. Yeah. That's sweet. Really sweet. I, I love it. Um and she's like, but she's like, don't argue with me. Just call me when you hear from Carmen or else, and then walks out. <laughs> or else what, Sylvie? Or else what? She's going to go all Sylvie Brett with two T's. I'm Sylvie Brett with two T's on her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what was that? What did you just do? She's like going to go Sylvie. No, she's Sylvie Brett with two T's. You, uh, you, you guys missed like the ninja motion that Brian just did with like, it. kick people's ass. Anyway. Oh my goodness. So Brett and Granger are of course out on their date for omelets. And Casey just so happens to call her because he of course got his results timing man timing so of course granger's like yeah i didn't realize your friend was casey and he's like and she's like you know i just didn't want to you know he's being really private about it like i didn't want to you know it's not my business to share his business um and she's like no we should definitely reschedule and granger's just like you know i know and she's like he says to her he's like i think you have some stuff you need to figure out um bitter party of one a little bit a little bit I mean, yeah i definitely think too i think i understand i get it because granger is you know did point out that like is there he asked her is there something going on between them and you know he she said no but i do also really agree with brett i mean i'm definitely on more on brett's side like regardless of their feelings for each other when it comes to medical stuff like it's not her place to just blast it to everybody well, I mean, medical medical stuff or not medical stuff, I mean, she doesn't owe him an explanation. Right. 
No, she doesn't. And that's what I'm saying. But even regardless of that, even if she felt like she had to explain, it's not like she's talking to Severide and, like, it slipped out. Or, you know, Cruz or anybody else that's in the fire in their right. firehouse. Right. Like, this is someone that Casey doesn't really know. And so, like, regardless, even if she did had mentioned Casey, like, all she needed to say was, you know, you know she didn't, I don't think, yeah, I definitely don't think she owed him anything. No. No, so I'm like, I've been like all on Granger's side this entire time. And then the minute he was like, well, you didn't tell me it was Casey. I was like, oh, no, this is not we're not doing this. Back it up. You understand where he I'm not, you know, I mean, and I'm like total team Bretzy over here. But like, I do understand where he's coming from, too, that like when he finds out that it's Casey, not saying that he's the right to be upset, but like clearly that was the moment he realized that like, oh, I don't think, you know, everything's starting to add up. And that's kind of just the final straw of like. Yeah, Brett, like you have some stuff to figure out. Right. So. Right. Anyway. So, but of course, Brettsy, or or Brettsy, Jesus. Brett goes to the hospital with Casey, like she promised. And as it turns out, Casey's going to be fine. Because apparently all of this is coming from his, like, recovering shoulder injury. I was so relieved. Oh, my God. I was so relieved. (laughs) I mean. The more I thought about it, like, because, you know, we've, we all had that freak out, like, a while back about, was Jesse Spencer leaving the show? Is this how they're going to write him out? That would be terrible. Blah, 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 blah. And then the more I got to thinking about it, I was like, they wouldn't do this in episode 12. Like, once I kind of realized that this was the episode it was going to happen in, I was like, it's not going to happen in 12. Mm-hmm. And then there was pictures from filming of, like, Casey in his jacket, like, turnout coat and whatever, like, on, obviously, location. And I was like, okay, he's still filming. Like, we're fine. <laughs> we're good. I was like, we're fine. He's going to yeah. be okay. Um, but it's still, like, to hear or to see them say, oh, yeah, you're going to be okay. I was like, oh, my God. But also, don't think us out like that again. It wasn't fun. No. No. But also, Okay. Once the doctor leaves the room, like, everything about that is just, like, amazing. The hug, the spin when he, like, picks her up and, like, spins her around. And then they, like, stare at each other and just the sexual tension. I just, I I can't. The spin was pretty cute. It was so cute. I would love to see this on the page. And I would love to know if that was scripted or not. Ooh. Ooh. I know. Where's Derek and his Twitter account? So I could be like, Derek, I want to see that on the page. So bad. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because, um, like, part of me thinks it's not scripted, but I don't know. I mean, all we know is that Derek posted the page for 208 when Gabby and Matt had their first kiss, and there was a lot that was not scripted. Was not scripted. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I just. The amount, well, first of all, the amount of times I've watched this scene is like, I don't even know. <laughs> I literally was so distracted by like all the Brett and Casey goodness that we got in this episode that like PD happened, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. I was like, I, yeah. I know. I'm like, hey, Brian, I here's a really important deep discussion point, and you're like, what? What? <laughs> huh? I'm like, can you focus, please? <laughs> and I did not. Yeah. But I just, I just wanted them to get. I just wanted this for so long. I know. I know. It looks like it's finally. I'm. I mean, I'm not trying to jinx it, but like, it looks like it's finally gonna happen again. But like for real this time. Hopefully. I yeah. I know. I'm trying not to jinx it, but like I. Yeah. No, I know. So, take us through Carmen. Oh man. Okay. 
So Carmen said, I can't kind of can't believe that Granger was the one to break it off though. It's a push that Brett needed. Honestly, that I honestly think that she didn't still didn't realize until this episode that she actually did have more feelings, more than friends feelings for Casey. I think her realizing that she might not see Casey every shift while going to his doctor's appointments definitely did something. And having Granger call her out is necessary and hopefully a push, a slightly unbiased one, i.e. not Stella, (laughs) that she doesn't have, she doesn't have, not have feelings. And that maybe her feelings are both real and still there. She's been doing some serious repression and most likely purposeful ignorance that it was just a mistake and none of it was real. Amen. Yeah. I mean, I think she's kind of maybe started realizing even like an episode or two ago, but yeah, I think this one definitely was like, yeah, no, it's, Mm -hmm. it's going to come back to the surface. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry if I don't pronounce this correctly. Sharon. That's how I would say it. Yeah. Sharon. Yeah. Uh, Sharon said, can we talk about the fact that Bretzy have their own soundtrack now? The background music during the hospital hug was the same music as their kiss scene. It also appeared at the end of episode 11 when Brett insisted on coming with Casey to the doctor. It's so romantic and it's definitely a good sign for the Bretzy future. I gotta go listen. Oh my I god. It. I, there is a whole Twitter thread of like scenes with the Bretzy music. I'll send it to you. Oh shit. Okay. Okay. I'll send it to you. I have it liked on my Twitter page. I'll send it to you. Of course you do. Of course I do. Because <laughs> hello. Hi, I am Bretsy Trash. Um, Emily M said, goodbye, Greg Granger. You were very pretty, but just didn't have the timing right. Um, <laughs> let's bring up an interesting point. Do you think that's the last we see of him? I think so. I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, Allie said that Bretzy hug though it was pure perfection and oh my god the hard eyes afterwards just fucking make out already and get your shit together <laughs> yeah uh yeah me yeah that was me um she also said can we finally drop the jesse spencer leaving theory now surely the writers can't pull off a surprise exit with some other reason like a dossier reunion right i think we can drop it i think we can just we like can we can like punt it into the abyss we can trash it we can have like a, a like what's that movie um office something office um with the stapler oh fuck i'm blanking um it's like that 80s movie with the office face thank you Woo. old person brain um when they I go don't... like beat the shit out of the computer of course you don't know that movie <sighs> yeah but for the older listeners out there like myself we can have like an office space style movie like they could just like beat the jesse spencer leaving theory yeah i yeah i think so. i think so mm-hmm. um Allie also said, once again, Brett choosing Casey's appointments over her plans with Granger says a lot. Granger had every right to break things off with her. It was obvious that there was still something between her and Casey, and he didn't want to be second best, understandably so. I don't think it was possessive jealousy or anything like that. No, I don't think it was anything like that either. Right. And I think it's the same reason that she initially broke things off with Casey or, you know, stopped it from going any further than it could have. Right. Because she didn't want to be, she thought she was being second best to Gabby, and she didn't want to be that. Right. Right. So I'm okay. I mean, if that's the reason, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody deserves to be second best in their mm-hmm. own relationship. Uh, Zola said, I'm so happy for Matt, but, and in all caps, why didn't they kiss? And kisses dragged out. <laughs> I mean, yes. Like, obviously, I think that would have been a great moment for a kiss, but also, like, when they, when it, when they kiss again, it's going to be electric. Yeah. It's going to be so good. Yeah. 
Um, Jenna said, do you think that Stella and Severide will play a role in getting Brett and Casey back together? Stella and Severide are the only ones who truly know how Brett and Casey feel about each other. I also feel like the only two people who don't know Brett and Casey like each other are Brett and Casey. Accurate. Do you think, though, but, like, to answer a question, like, do you think Stella and Severide will play a role, or? I could see it. I See, I think they're kind of getting back closer together, like, already. Like, I think I don't think, I mean, like, maybe Stella and Severide maybe I guess, like, a small part of it, but I don't think it's, like, oh, yeah, let's come up with some mastermind plan to get them back together. Like, I don't think it's going to be like that. Good point. Um, yeah, I, I could see either one happening. Yeah. Yeah, either one. So, Jess said, I finished the episode and literally laid back, smiling at my ceiling because I'm so in love with them. There were just so Yeah, yeah. There were so many good moments. That first scene with worried Sylvie in the waiting room. We'll figure it out. Hello. They're so married. Sylvie's making him a playlist. And then the sweet, sweet angst of him thinking he's being selfish for leaning on her so much. And in parentheses, seriously, can someone just hug him already, please? Right? Right? Line forms to the left. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Which actually brings me to that hug and the spin. Honestly, it was just so perfect. And the cherry on top was his MRI being clear. He's in the clear. I always thought he would be, but there was that tiny bit of doubt inside me. And now I feel so much better about the likelihood of Jesse staying on the show. Touch wood, but I'm low-key hoping for Bretzy to be back together by the end of the season. And then in parentheses, he said, I really hope I didn't just jinx us. I'm knocking on wood. Me too. Yeah. Um, so Lois said first, is the Alma Festival a real thing in Chicago, or is this just the writer's way at the proverbial egg on your face expression? Wouldn't surprise me if it was real. I can Google real fast. Um, yeah, wouldn't surprise me either. Um, I love brunch, so like I I'd be totally down for an omelet festival. Yeah. Okay, wait, so I just Googled omelet festival and the first one that came up is in a town called Abbeville, Louisiana. Um, omelet festival Chicago. Also, I need to see if there's one in my neck of the woods because I'm down. (laughs) All I'm seeing is the one in Louisiana, but like, again, would be down. Yeah. Is there iced coffee involved? If so, I'm there. (laughs) Maybe we'll have to take a road trip. Uh, Come visit me and then we can drive there. Yeah. And so Lois said, idea was out of left field and kind of a weird ending to their relationship. But but Greg is right. Brett does have to figure does have things to figure out i think more so than casey casey already said that his feelings are real for brett but she feels casey has to settle his feelings for dawson um and she said i guess they both need to do some work sad to see greg go like this but he's still at firehouse 40 so he's still in chicago in my mind there's just so much history between casey and brett that it's so hard for granger to break through that and then she went on to say do you think that oh god i'm gonna butcher this name at least yeah what Gina said. Well, we <laughs> music for Casey and Brett like he did for Casey and Dawson. Severide and other Chicago Fire music. Brings a smile to my face when I play it in my car. Like, how did I not have this on my phone already? Yeah, wait, he had released the Dawson music? I don't know. And I didn't know that. Severide and other, there's other Chicago Fire music. Too. I don't know. He is on Spotify, though. I do know that. And it says, hope so. Probably when they finally get together, right? Because they will, right? <laughs> yes. 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 Um, while you're looking this up, I'll read Casey. Yeah. Um, Casey said, I love, 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 love this episode. Brett and Casey are literally so married already. It's adorable. Even if they don't realize it yet, their feelings for each other are so obvious. And I hope that we get to see that big gesture from Casey soon. I was worried that Casey's head injury was going to cost him his job. And I'm so glad that he's going to be okay. I hope this means that Jesse Spencer is not leaving the show. And we will see lots of Matt Casey for seasons to come. 
Okay, so wait, I'm, I'm on Atlee Orverson's Spotify page. There's a whole album of Chicago Fire Season 2. What the fuck? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How um, did we not know this? And the titles are things like Bowden's Retirement, Heather in Prison, Arson oh. Fire, Factory Fire Call. Let me see what else we've got. Is it Dossie music? That's what I'm looking for. I'm trying to see. Um, okay, Chicago Fire Season 2, Chicago Fire Season 1 season of the witch so it looks like he's got pretty much like everything he's ever done it's just that there's no nothing like from the recent seasons let me see if i can look by song Ooh, this is at lee orbison playlist oh my god he did music for eurovision well i'm gonna have to oh i found it i found it i found it which one the dossie music uh-huh but i don't think you can hear it because i have my headphones in you can hear it. Can you hear it? Yeah. I get all nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope they come out with it. If he, I guess he did do the Bretzy music. So then, yes, I definitely want the Bretzy music released. Fireman salute. What is this one? This is from season one. That's is that when they did the big funeral at the end of season one for the kid? Oh my god! Yeah, it is with a kid in the limo or whatever as they drive by. Yeah. Oh man! Today I learned. (laughs) Oh man, I'm definitely gonna have to. I don't have well, I have Spotify on my computer, but I don't use it on my phone, so. I do. I've been listening to um, pop punk music from the 2000s lately. I don't. I don't know why. We share the same brain. I was listening to my pop punk playlist this afternoon on the way home from work. But like you were five when that music was around. No, I'm talking about like the like Fall Out Boy and like all that stuff. Yeah, like, I a had little some later. later, like Simple Plan, some 41, Yellow I Card. Yes. That was also popular, like, you know, seven, eight years later when I was in middle school. I just. <laughs> yep. Go ahead. Just just keep aging me, Bryna. Just keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I was, but I literally listened to, like, my pop punk playlist on my yeah. way home from we work. Share so we share a brain. We share a brain. Clearly. You guys, what, last week, two weeks ago? I don't even know. So we all know that Gina and Brian are way into Marvel Funko Pops, right? Um, I text Brian and I'm like, dude, I totally just got an Ant-Man Funko Pop. And she's like, get out of my brain. I was just looking at that today. And then I bought mine like a couple days ago. And you literally text me today and you're like, I bought, what'd you buy? Captain Marvel. And- I got Captain Marvel, but they sent me the wrong one. I ordered Captain Marvel. They sent me Captain America, which clearly shows me that whoever was packing that order does not do Marvel. clearly yeah 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 anyway but anyway yeah Casey said (laughs) Casey said I loved love I already read that you did yeah I was googling I'm sorry I said you're google I'll read you did say that that's right I'm a bad listener I'm sorry but anyway anyway I just Casey and Brett I just yeah yeah it was good it, it was fantastic. I'm, yeah. 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 So moving on to Mouch, Gallo, and Ritter. Okay. So. Amazing storyline. 
Gallo and Ritter have a young firefighters group that meets once a week to get beers and trade stories. Is that not the cutest freaking thing you've ever heard? I feel like that's everything we thought was going to happen and more. I mean, that's the cutest thing ever. It's like, just... It, yeah, I just... Yeah. Yeah. So they want to have their next meeting at Molly's and they're like, hmm, what do we want to do? We don't know. Blah, blah, blah. So 81, 51 and 61, they get called to a fire at a party store. Um, today I learned that balloons can explode. Well, they don't have helium in them. When they don't have helium in them, then yes. That was that was new. Yeah, that was new. So but like literally gives a whole new meaning to the term fireball. Yes. Yes. Literal fireball. Yeah. Okay, so Bowden is taking Casey's place, and he actually has Stella assess the situation. I love that. Yeah, he's like, Stella, like, get some practice. What do you think? So the balloons are starting to explode. Like, literally, they're just like, pew, pew, pew. It's, yeah. So there's a little girl missing, and at first, it's like, nobody's going to find her. Like, every time they look, they find either an adult or they don't find her, and she's six. Like, she's tiny, right? So... Mouch is making his way through, and I thought I thought Gallo was going to be the one to find her. Did you? Yeah, I don't know, but then all of a sudden Mouch does, and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, so Mouch is the one who finds this little six-year-old girl, and he gets her, and he gets her out, and right as they exit, the building goes, yeah, the whole building just explodes. So Gallo and Ritter get back to 51, and they start reenacting the story, and it's just... So funny and so good and so perfect. I just want them to reenact my entire life. Oh my God. Oh my God. And Gallo just like reenacting it is so great. He's like, yeah. And then Gallo comes out and he's, or yeah, Mouch comes out and he's like, like the Hulk. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and also just like the fact they're all looking on. And of course this is about Mouch. So like Casey looks to Mouch as like a proud dad. Cause you know, it's just, it's so cute. It's so, so cute. It's so cute. So Gallo and Ritter, they're talking about their meeting and, you know, how they want to lock down a speaker. And Mouch is like, dude, like, this is the guy you're looking for. We call him the bullet. Um, But he's perfect. And so Mouch is like, I can't get a hold of him. Like, you know, I'm so sorry about that. But they're like, dude, like, we don't want the bullet. We actually want you. Which, like, the minute he was like, oh, you want the bullet. I was like, no, your guest speaker is right in front of you guys. Yeah. Like, right in front of you. I want our group to get a little taste of everything I've learned from you from the things you said to me when I was locked up on that stairwell to the skills I learned watching you on every call. And how you kicked epic amounts of ass on that party store fire. You're the guy we want to hear from. I just, I love how much they love Mouch. Yes, and I love that we have, we've changed the tone this season. In the past, we're always getting on Mouch. We're like, he's old, blah, blah, blah. We're hyping him up this season. And I I love to see it. It's also, we've come such a far away, even from just, like, the end of season five, when, you know, Mouch was, like, feeling down about himself and, like, was going to quit the CFD and retire, and we thought mm-hmm. Mouch was a goner, you know, that finale. Yeah. Um, and, like, he even come so far from there, you know, just a couple seasons ago to now. Like, it's so cool. Yeah. But it's I really love good. the Mouch, Fritter, Gallo friendship, mentorship, whatever. Like, I, it's so well done. It's, it's- so so well done so 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 well done yes so well done um and then yeah we the the last scene of the episode is mouch talking to the group at molly's it's so cute i know it's so cute it's so good it's so good so yeah um megan said mouch's save was the best save i've seen all season see what happens when you let him out into the field right right Right? yes yeah i know 
Um, she also said Gallo and Ritter need to describe everything that goes on from here on out. Love those two. It was pretty freaking good. It's so good. It's so good. They're honestly, it's so hard for me to even picture like what this show would be without them. Like, I don't even want to think about it. Right. Because they just bring so much. I They're just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jess said, Match's storyline with Gallo and Ritter was great. I've loved this trend in the last few episodes of building Match up and appreciating his heroism, like you said in one of your tweets. It's a nice break from all the old man jokes he's gotten for most of the show. It really is, though, because we've spent so many yeah. seasons just be like, ha ha, Match is washed up. And now we're like, no, like, he brings a lot of experience and wisdom to this firehouse. Mm-hmm. Love yeah. it. So good. Love it. Love it. So that is Gallo and Ritter and Mouch, those goofballs. Herman and Kid are next up. I love Brenda. this pairing. I, I love it too. And I love this storyline. I love this whole thing. So yeah. yeah, Brenda, go for it. So in the fire, you know, because again, it was 81, 51, and 61 that was called out. So Herman finds two of the upstairs neighbors, one of whom is unconscious. So the other upstairs neighbor that Herman's find, Herman finds creates like a harness and then helps Herman lower her down. And then like just this cool like slide down the ladder move, um, which I was like, okay. And Herman's like, I can do that. And Herman like <laughs> does it too. Um, and apparently this guy used to be a firefighter, but isn't anymore. That's why he knows all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And Herman is, like, obsessed with this guy. He's like, yeah, man, he has, like, he's a natural-born firefighter. Like, he's got to get back to doing what, you know, he's good at, blah, 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 blah. So he can't find the guy after the save. And so he works some info out of Brett and Violet. So Herman's like, yeah, like, let's go. So they find Mason, that's this guy's name, packing up his car, you know, with what he could salvage when Herman pulls up. And apparently the reason he used to be a firefighter but isn't anymore is because he was a firefighter when he was in prison. And he can't join the CFD because the CFD doesn't hire felons. This is such a good segue into the episode of PD. Yeah. So Herman invites Mason to hang out with him and match at Molly's. And, you know, they're just talking, shooting the shit. And Mason tells them, you know, like, getting on that cruise is what saved me from, like, a lot of messed up stuff. And, like, we were helping people out, which felt good. So Herman is determined to get this guy in, you know, back to firefighting. So Herman goes to headquarters to try and see the commissioner. But of course, Grissom's out of town for a few weeks, blah, 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 blah. And he wants to talk about the hiring policies. So apparently he needs to see D.C. Hill, you know, Deputy Commissioner Hill that Stella met a few weeks ago. (laughs) So he's been trying to call her and email her and nobody's getting back to him. So he decides to go ask Stella to help him get a meeting set up. So Stella goes to Severide's quarters, which I love to just like vent and like talk shit out. (laughs) Um, Because she's like, I'm not so sure I want to use my like card yet. And but Severide points out, he's like, you know, like you make a lot of good points. But like also, when was the last time you saw Herman go to bat for someone like this? Mm -hmm. So she ultimately agrees to set up the meeting as long as they rehearse everything they're going to say beforehand. (laughs) because She doesn't want Herman going off script. Yeah. Which understandably so. So, but before the meeting, Herman's like, I'm having a little stage fright. I don't know what to do or whatever. So, Stella's just like, go off the cuff. Like, you're best when you speak from the heart. It'll be okay. But, of course, then when they meet with Deputy Commissioner Hill, like, she starts shutting Herman down. So, Stella takes over and it's just amazing. Commissioner, respectfully, you and I both had to fight to get our foot in the CFD's door. And we continued to fight 
our way up the ladder to prove we belong. This young man isn't perfect. He stole a car when he was 17. But he served his time, and he put his life on the line fighting wildfires for 80 cents an hour, and some time knocked off his sentence. We met him on a call where he helped save the life of a woman when he could have run out the door. He has CFD material written all over him, and he can't even apply. We just want to give him a fair shot. It baffles me that they put... They, they train these people for this while they're in prison and you train them and give them these hireable skills. But then the minute they get out, they're forever like trapped by this stigma of, you know, oh, well, you're forever a felon. Yeah. And then they've talked about it on um, Station 19 a couple of times, right? Like when we've seen them like out there fighting fighting fires, you know, the few times oh, they've done yeah, wildfires. Yeah, yeah. Sullivan was training prisoners, wasn't he? Right, but then I think also that one time when they went to L.A. and they met, um, you know, in the season two finale, mm-hmm. season two finale, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think they've mentioned it a few times over there. But yeah, it is just crazy. It's mind blowing. I mean, it it totally leads into a whole other discussion about how broken our criminal justice system is. Is that you know, like the system is all like, yeah, we want to rehabilitate criminals. Well, the way to do that is not to label them with this, you know felon for the rest of their life you know you gave them hireable skills while they were in prison let them use it when they're out right like it's one thing if you just you know choose to not do anything while you're in prison and you know then come out obviously as a felon yeah uh but like when you're trying to actually do the right thing and rehabilitate yourself like you said then yeah they should be able to take that with forward with them Mm -hmm. or at least shouldn't be completely denied let's put it that way you know, not even given the chance to like try to get in the door. And then also, I mean, if you're forever going to label them with that stigma of, hey, like felon and most most places don't hire felons, like you're, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot because you're raising the risk of recidivism that they're going to go right back into their life of crime to make ends meet because they can't get hired anywhere. I don't want to get into this whole thing, but like, also, the thing that that was interesting about this, and maybe this is just a loophole, is they say he was stole a car when he was 17. But he was an 18. They probably tried him as a as an adult. But like... No, just, I know. I know. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to PD yet. Uh, yeah. I know. Oh, man. Oh, man. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So apparently they like leave and they're like kind of feeling deflated and, you know, it doesn't seem to work. But then all of a sudden Stella gets a call from DC at home. And so, of course, she and Herman invite Mason to Molly's, and they're telling him all the stuff. And apparently, he still can't apply for the CFD. Like, the CFD is still going to be very strict about their policy. But apparently, from them talking so highly of him, D.C. Hill decided to put in a good word with a friend of hers who just so happens to be the chief in St. Paul Fire Department. And they're going to give him an interview. It's just an interview. It's not saying he's going to become a firefighter, but, you know, it's a foot in the door. It's more than CFD has given him. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That was nice to see. It was. It was. It was a nice. Yeah. It feels Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Megan said, love to see Lieutenant Kid in action. Casey being out really gave her the chance to shine and I'm here for it. I love that seeing squad and Ambo and calls together too. We don't always get to see it so often. So when we do, it's a treat. Also, I love seeing Stella and Herman's relationship this week is no exception. Yeah. 
Really nice, really nice. So Jess said, I thought Herman and Stella's storyline with Mason was a unique look at the many ways the U.S. prison system is pretty messed up. First up, they only pay inmates eight cents an hour for risking their lives to fight wildfires, right? Um, And then they can't even apply to all fire departments in the country. That's messed up. Mm -hmm. I did love seeing how passionate Stella got in speaking to that deputy commissioner and then Herman in acknowledging their privilege and how they all had screwed up in the past, but were able to get out of it or were lucky not to get caught. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm glad there was a somewhat happy ending for Mason, even though I was low-key hoping he was going to be able to join 51. Yes! I really like this storyline, too, because I feel like, obviously, Fire, I think, I'm not saying they had the hardest time, but Fire was the one, at least, like, Med, Med was obviously going to deal with COVID, and then PD mm-hmm. was obviously going to deal with, like, the Black Lives Matter stuff, but Fire was kind of in that middle of, like, well, we're not really either show and like, you know, we could kind of get away with not tackling either if we really don't want to. Um, but I really appreciate like, that's the way that like, they should do these storylines. Yeah. Like, it didn't feel like preachy or like, oh, we have to talk about this because of what's going on and yada, yada, yada. Like, no, like this is something that comes up, you know. And again, even like what Jess pointed out about how they were like acknowledging their privilege without actually saying like, yeah, this was my privilege. You know, it just felt so like natural. Mm-hmm. This whole storyline, and I really appreciated that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, last up, we've got Bowden's parking space. Okay, who has been handling the comedy storylines lately in that writer's room? I don't know, but they're amazing. They deserve a raise. They really do, though. We're just going to go on the record and say that. Give that person a raise, because the comedy storylines have gotten better and better week after week. It really has, though, like, season nine, I think, has been maybe the best comedic season of all of them. And that's, like, saying a lot. We've had so many good ones. So So many many good ones. Okay, so we start off. Cruz is, like, super impressed with the truck that's in Bowdoin's spot. He's like, damn, like, you got a new whip, but it's not Bowdoin's. It's not Bowdoin's. And Bowdoin's like, that's no big deal. Like, whatever. But the house is like, oh, no. Like, this is a big deal. You need to get angry. And Ritter said, Ritter's like, it's the sacred duty of every Chicagoan to respect dibs. Okay. I had to ask about this. Okay. I'm, you know, we don't really do this in Texas because we don't get snow. (laughs) So it's not a thing. And we don't really parallel park that often. So apparently dibs is a serious, serious thing in the Midwest and North. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't feel like it was in D.C., but maybe it is in other places. I don't know. Okay, so so I'm, I'm aware that, like, if it's snowing out and you dig out your own parking space, like, yeah, you have dibs. Okay. Okay. That I get. Um, but, I mean, even if it's not snowing out, like, you still get dibs on a parking space? Okay. I don't know. I All don't right. know. I don't know. We, we don't, it's not a thing in Texas. It's really not a thing. So that's why I was like, why are they, why? It's not a thing here. I mean, in DC, yeah, like DC is all parallel parking. Um, in Virginia, well, in Arlington was too, but uh, here it's not. No, we got some replies where people were like, dude, people have gotten arrested over fights over parking spaces before. It's crazy. That's crazy. No, it's so crazy. I know. And then um, Ellie, who runs the Locker Room podcast, she was saying, she's like, if it's winter, 110%, they're going to fight over that parking space crazy it's like okay well <laughs> um so Cruz is like you need to get angry about this parking space and Bowden's like whatever meh so Cruz Violet Ritter and Gallo what a squad right they're what go- a squad though I know they're gossiping at Molly's and Cruz is like okay well Bowden left a note on the truck like it's baby steps right baby steps 
And Ritter's like, listen, like, let's get to shift early and let's mark Bowden's spot. And so the others are like, you're out of your mind. So Cruz is like, okay, we're going to draw straws. And Ritter draws the short one. So the next day, he starts moving a recliner out into the street to mark Bowden's spot. But it doesn't work because whoever's parking in that spot just moved it back to the sidewalk. It's so good. Did you see when they were filming this, like, the video of Ritter from, like, a, I guess it was a fan. I can't remember if it was a fan that shot that or Lula. I don't remember who shot it. But anyway, like, of Ritter, like, dra- or of Daniel, like, dragging it onto the street. I didn't see that, no. Oh, it's so good. It's oh just my so gosh. Fu- it's just so funny to, like, see. It's just so good. I about died at this part because, okay, they moved it back to the sidewalk, and Bowden comes, like, marching out there. He's like, I used a lot more colorful language this time. What is colorful language for Bowden? I need to see this note. <laughs> Does Bowden curse like a sailor, you think? Yes. Like, that got me thinking. I was like, okay, well, who who has the biggest potty mouth at 51? Oh. Like, every time, or, like, because I feel like Bowden can have a potty mouth, but he also knows when to control it. I think Stella curses like a sailor. Yeah, I was going to say Severide and Stella. I could see that. Like, just a curse couple and have, you know. Brett probably doesn't curse at all. No. She's probably one of those people who says, like, hell, and it's like, oh, my God, I said a bad word. (gasps) Oops. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Severide and Stella, I think, would and Bowden would probably have the biggest potty mouths. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Herman! Don't sell Herman short. Oh, no. Yeah, Herman definitely could. Yeah. Herman's favorite word is definitely fuck. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, Cap? Maybe. Maybe every now and then. I'd put him in, like, maybe in my top five. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh so gallo and ritter are they're like staking out watching the truck because they're like no we're gonna find this person now like we are gonna watch this truck we're gonna see who's taking your damn spot so cap offers to take over and he yells that someone is out there and then he like just hauls ass through the firehouse he's like chief chief somebody's here uh Bowden starts yelling. He's like, I'm ready to kick some ass. But then they see that the guy is pushing a nun in a wheelchair. <laughs> like, it's so course. good. Of it's course. So good. It's so good. Yeah. And he walks everything back. And I love how awkwardly he's like, we love to serve the community. They're like, guys, help her out. And everyone's like, huh? And uh, Bowden's like, do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Oh my god, so funny. So funny. So, Megan said, I don't know who's writing these comic relief storylines this season, but they've been awesome. Uh, yeah. Yes. 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 Um, and Jess said, seeing Bowden in a comedic storyline was golden. It doesn't happen a lot, but Eamon absolutely killed it. I died when he was revealed, or when it was revealed to be a nun parking in the spot. <laughs> so good. Yeah, and she's right. Like, Bowden, we don't often see Bowden in the comedy storylines, but when we do, it's... It's quality. It's so good. Yeah, so any other notes about Fire? No, but just, uh, I love this episode. This was a very nice, feel-good episode. I love this episode. It's not often that I come out of an episode of One Chicago where I'm just like, I feel kind of nice after that. Like... I loved it. Yeah, I loved that episode. It was good. It was good. So, all right. Stretch it out. Take a sip of that drink. Let's just. I saved my wine for this. Oh, good job. Good job. Um, I have like half a beer left, which is good. 
Um, the first two things I want to say about this episode, A, Gavin Harris wrote this, um, and we love Garen. We love Gavin Harris. Wasn't it Gavin and Rick? Who wrote Was this? it Gavin and Rick? I think so. That's just, I, I get scared when I know episodes are Gavin and Rick, because, like, they love to just, like, sucker punch us. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, though, I mean, we, I know we always say that we're, like, Gavin Harris writes, like, the best episodes on PD. He really does. But, but, what, what are you shaking your head at? I didn't like this. Oh, well, I mean, I didn't. I thought it was a good episode. I didn't like it though. Personally. Okay. Well, what I was gonna say is like we're we're always waxing poetic. We're like Gavin writes the best episodes on PD. I still think that Scott Gold wrote a better one when it was the episode about Bob. I just to me, this one, I it was well written. I mean, nothing from like the TV writing standpoint was bad about this episode. Mm-hmm. It just. And we were kind of briefly talking about it, like, in our text. Like, it just, I think they kind of also suffered because of the timing of this one. Yeah, and that was going to be my second point. Was this episode ill-timed? Not deliberately. I think it was just kind of a victim of, like, this happened earlier in the week. Sorry. Yeah, I, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, As we all know, Derek Chauvin was found guilty of, of, three different counts of murder in the death of George Floyd that happened this week. That happened on Tuesday, Tuesday. Yeah. Um, I definitely found this episode hard to stomach in light of that. Yeah. 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 I think it would have been hard to stomach regardless, but I definitely, I think it's heightened tenfold because of what happened this week. And this episode is such a double-edged sword, right? Because yeah, Voight showed some growth, but also, like, okay. It's like the classic saying, you know, one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. Like, that was Boyd this week. He, yeah, he took one step forward, but he also took two steps back. Mm, I mean, I wouldn't say it's two steps back. I would say it's just, it's, like, it's a step forward, yes, okay? Yeah, it shows growth on his part. But also, you really want me to celebrate this guy? Like, congratulations, you didn't murder anybody this week? Or, like, congratulations, you didn't partake in police brutality? That's what you want me to celebrate, really? I think it was a that. And then, like, Haley's comment really rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's just... I thought the case part was good. I actually really like this case. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just some of this other stuff, I was like, I can't, no, mm-hmm. just no. Yeah, there were parts of this that were really uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we start off, Miller's giving a press conference and she's talking about like, hey, community policing is working. Um, she makes a note that like the crime rate is up, but she's like, oh, but you know, like community policing is happening. We're making the necessary changes, you know, all that's happening. And Somebody asked the question about, you know, the suspension or termination of these problematic officers. It's been leading to exonerations of really dangerous criminals. And she answers the question and she's like, no, I I have faith in the justice system. You know, change isn't always easy or pretty, but that doesn't mean it isn't necessary. Bingo. I I mean... To me, everything that, because I know there's been some episodes where, like, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about Miller. Like, you know, I think she's trying to do the right thing, but I don't know. The, everything she was doing in this episode and, like, saying, I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes. Just, I agree with everything. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's just not it's it's nothing is black or white right and nothing is it's it's not all or nothing right it's just we'll get into it we'll get into more but okay so voice on his way back from the press conference he gets a call about a man shot um it turns out their their quick route air quotes uber uber yeah their uber driver basically picked up him and his wife kicked him out of the car and drove off with the wife so the wife's been abducted straight up um so they find out the car that picked them up is stolen and they find it like burnt to a crisp later on so you know we're just kind of like we're going through the case kind of quickly here but yeah they they find the case it's they found the car burnt to a crisp that's great uh at this point they're in the bullpen we have to take a moment to talk about Haley's side part oh my god it's so good you noticed some of the weirdest things. You didn't notice Haley's side part? Not really. Twitter blew up about it. I wasn't watching when Twitter was watching, though. You can't be going to bed right after fire, Brian. I need no, you. No, I didn't. But I was too occupied by Bretzy. Oh, yeah. I was No, trust me. I did not go right to bed. And normally I watch. But, like, I was trying to watch. I had it on. But, like, Bretzy was calling. You were watching Bretzy gifts over and over. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so Haley had her hair parted on the side, which, like, I don't think we've ever seen it before, and it looks amazing, so whatever. I'll go Um, back and watch it after we finish recording. It looks really good. looks really good. Uh, So, okay, they they track the wife's phone to a warehouse, and they find her body. Okay, so we are quite literally 10 minutes into this episode. We've already got, like, a case within a case. Mm -hmm. So we're 10 minutes into this episode. We've got a case, and we've got a dead body, and it's not even the end of Act 1. Dun, dun, dun. Gavin Harris things. Yeah. Just just things. Things. Um, they did some pretty cool lighting effects in this episode. I know I'm not the only one who noticed it, but they did this thing. It, like when, when they're in the warehouse looking for the wife's body, they did this thing that they call atmosphere. And it's basically like they take like water droplets and like put them in the air or something. And it creates this really cool hazy effect. And it was really cool. It looked really good. It, yeah, it did. It was just, And like a lot of different shots of white was like, silhouetted and it just kind of like added to the drama it was cool. it looked really good yeah 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 really cool the promo photos for this episode were just like art amazing yeah yeah I mean, like hang up on a wall like literal art like every promo photo was an album cover yeah 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 so that was cool okay so ruzik zeroes in on this guy his name's caleb hoff first off the way he zeroes in on this guy like that's pretty impressive because mm-hmm. they go back to when the when they go back to when the car is stolen and Ruzik's like, yeah, I found this guy at a mini mart like a block away. Good job, dude. Casual. Well done. Casual, yeah. So Hoff was at the mini mart a block from where the Honda was stolen, and he just sued the city for $25 million for a wrongful arrest. So this guy had gone down for like some heinous, horrible, terrible crimes, but the arresting officer was charged with excessive use of force. And so Hoff was let go. We're going to do this one right by the book. Who knows? Maybe Hoff has bad luck, lives in the area, was just buying milk. Come on, Sarge. You really believe that? No, but it doesn't change the game plan. Okay, so the fact okay so hank doesn't believe it that like hey maybe this guy was in the wrong place at the wrong time but the fact that he's just taking time to ask the question shows a little bit of growth Mm -hmm. yeah it does but it also begs the question of how intelligence would have looked at mason from fire in the previous episode Mm. yeah would they have looked at this guy as oh he just made a mistake but he's moved on or would they be like you're a past criminal, so we're suspicious of you regardless of anything. 
I want to say the first one. You would, you would hope. You would hope, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So, uh, the husband IDs this guy, he IDs Hoff, but he's upset about how like CPD could let him go free. He's like, he's a monster. Like, how could you do that? Fair point. Fair Mm -hmm. point. So Miller encourages Voight to talk to the arresting detective. And again, Miller makes a point here that's just, it's an unfortunate one, okay? So Voight's just like, you really want me to go see this cop? Like, she's disgraced. Like, what am I going to do? And Miller goes, well, she's a hell of a cop. She just lost her mind for a minute. Uh, Didn't we just hear like, oh, they had a bad minute or a bad day. There was like a mass shooting a couple of weeks ago and it was Colorado, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And the chief of police was like, he had a bad day. No, no, that's not how that goes. It's not how that goes. No, she just lost her mind for a minute. Derek Chauvin lost his mind for nine minutes and 29 seconds. And now he's forever a murderer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Hmm. Awkward. Yeah. So Voight's like, okay, but it's ridiculous that we're tiptoeing around a serial rapist. Like, it's ridiculous. But this is where I'm like, okay, but it's not, it's not all, it's not all or nothing. It's not black and white like that. Okay. Like the criminal justice system, defense attorneys in general, defense attorneys exist to find the one to 2% of people who are wronged by the criminal justice system, the one or 2% of people who are wrongfully accused or, you know, who evidence was not handled correctly. The defense attorneys are there to find those people who are thrown in jail wrongly. Hopefully that's what they're supposed to be. Hopefully wrongly, right? Yeah. And hopefully that's what they're supposed to be there for. Yeah. And so, I mean, they're tiptoeing around a serial rapist so that they can catch him under the right terms. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'll get into this a little later, but what I learned in my time, I did criminal law briefly, briefly. And what I learned just from my time studying it and practicing it is that criminal procedure, the criminal procedure, the, the, yeah, criminal procedure is you've almost got to look at it like a game. Okay. It's strategy, right? It's playing by the rules. That's the rules. Handling evidence and, you know, doing, making sure that, you know, you're abiding by people's constitutional rights. It's, that's rules of the game. Right. You basically almost have to, like, make the evidence fit your, like, you can't, the evidence is the evidence, right? But you have to put the evidence, use the evidence to make your story, you know, be believed. Right. And in, in this case, the reason that they're tiptoeing, and I use air quotes, around a serial rapist is because the first time they got him, they didn't abide by the rules and that negated the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So this time they're they're making sure to tiptoe around him and do things right so that when they get him again, when they seal mm-hmm. him up for this time, it's for good. Yep. yep. Yeah. So uh, this does bring up an interesting point. The Voight-Miller dynamic has been kind of refreshing this season. I will say mm-hmm. that. Um, they're not butting heads. Like they're they're working together. Well, and even when they don't work together, they can actually calmly talk about it like adults. Mm-hmm. It's not like Voight yelling at her being like, you're wrong, you're wrong. Like, mm-hmm. he may not agree with what she's saying, as case in point by the end of the episode, but, like, at least they're ca- talking about it civilly. Right. I can respect that. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah. And it's not something where if, if Miller raises a point, Voight, just, Voight doesn't just shut her down. Voight's not like, oh, you're just wrong. Like, they, they listen to each other. It's good. Yeah. It's good. And Voight yeah. respects her rank. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, which is really nice. So, um, 
Voight goes to find this detective he takes Upton with, and um, her name's Martinez, Lisa Martinez. She lays out Hoff's entire history of, you know, how he basically became the serial killer he is. Mm -hmm. And they do the back and forth thing, which we love so much, where, you know, Martinez lays something out, and then they cut to Burgess, and Burgess fills in the gap. And then they go back to Martinez, and then they come back to Burgess. Love it. Mm -hmm. So what we learn that I found particularly disturbing, a lot of his kills were as a rideshare driver. Well, taxi driver, yeah. Okay, but like, uh, you know, yeah. taxi, rideshare, that kind of yeah. stuff. Like, how many times do we go to a city and we just jump in an Uber, we jump I in know, a cab, and I we know, don't think anything of it? I know. It had me. I was like, okay. Glad I don't have to, Not glad I'm not living in D.C. right now and don't have to take Ubers all the time. Well, and plus there's, there's that moment, too, where Burgess is like, yeah, well, he was staking out arrivals at O'Hare. I'm like, fuck, how many times has that been me? At least when it's you, it's usually me and you together. Mm -hmm. Safety in numbers. O'Hare, not the airport that Jay was kidnapped from. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah. ladies, we got to be more careful. Like, every, yeah, everyone, yeah. Um, there was one time that I was leaving Chicago. I definitely took an Uber by myself at four in the morning. Why did I do that? Can I just tell you, like a crazy? It wasn't like a scary situation but can i just tell you like my craziest lift uh story yeah go ahead okay so i don't remember where i was coming back from a bar i don't know it was late it was a saturday night it was late it was like two in the morning i think anyway i was going back to my apartment and i did like you know how they have now like the carpool one whatever where you mm -hmm. can like share with like other people so it's cheaper for you to you know go home yeah so I did that. I was going home. And so I got picked up. I was sitting in front seat. There were two people in the back seat. And so we go. We drop the first guy off first. Cool. Whatever. We go. Pull up the second guy. The other guy has, like, kind of fallen asleep in the back. Whatever. I don't fall asleep in the lift. I don't care. Um, and so he goes. And we get to his stop or whatever. And my driver, she it's, her, it's a girl. She, like, tries to wake him up. And he will not budge. Oh, my God. At all like literally not budge at all and it's like a bigger guy and she's you know probably my size or whatever and she's like i don't know what you know so she like tries like because she's also doesn't want to like you know push on him if she doesn't have to, you know that's like weird mm -hmm. um but she does she like tries to nudge him doesn't do anything he's like kind of leaning against the door so she like tries to go around and like open the door see if that would like wake him up it doesn't do anything <laughs> And then he instead of falling this way and like falling out of the door, he falls this way to like like in the back seat. And so finally she ended up having like call the police and just to see if she could like get him out of the freaking car. Mm -hmm. And I mean they got him out, but it was like a it was just such a weird situation for like 3 a.m. I was like, okay. Oh my god, that's so scary. It wasn't scary, it wasn't necessarily scary. Um, but it was just like one of those like, okay, this is a weird situation. Yeah. It was really weird. Oh man. That is the craziest story. Again, not it wasn't scary and nothing happened. It wasn't like a bad situation, but it was just like, okay, this guy that's never gonna get out of the car. And I was just it was like two in the morning. I just wanted to go home. I was tired. Mm -hmm. I just and like finally once I got home, I was like, You've got to be kidding me. And I just like collapsed. I was like, I'm done. 
I've I've been very lucky with with Ubers and ride shares and stuff. And I've but... never that's the only time it's, I've otherwise never had a bad driver. I've never had a bad knock on wood mm-hmm. with a bad experience. And even then, like I wasn't necessarily a bad experience. It was just kind of like one of those crazy, you know, memorable rides. Hmm. I will say my one Uber pet peeve, and this is just me, is that when they try to make conversation, I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah, this- I know. I'm like a headphones person. I'm yeah. like, I was always like, uh, nope, I'm going to listen to my headphones. This is quiet time for Gina. Quiet time. But it is, though. And I mm-hmm. just, yeah. Yeah. But that's scary. So moral of the story, ladies, we got to be careful. Mm-hmm. Careful. Um, shout out to the subtle T-Swift reference, though, when Martinez is like, nobody, no crime. I don't think that was on purpose, but yeah. I think there's a lot of Swifties in the one Chicago uh, staff. Yeah, because everybody has pointed it out. And I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, so Hoff's last kill is the one that Martinez got him on. So, basically, you know, say, he has the same MO in all these kills. But what happened was, is that she went to see his roommate and she asked for consent to search their place. Okay. Consent is a way to get around having a warrant. That's completely viable. Like, fine. Hoff's roommate spit in her face. And so she beat his ass with her nightstick, beat his ass is what she says, and forced him to sign. I get it. He's a serial rapist. He's violent. He's doing horrible things, but you can't do that. Nope. You can't do that. Nope. You're not playing by the rules. It's all, you can't do that. Wait, at first when they were like, you know, because obviously they say like, oh, she's recently, you know, been her case, that case was obviously recently reviewed and now she's out, you know, out. And I was like, well, what did she do? And then they got to that point. I was like, got it. I mean, I I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. You did it the wrong way. And this is where we come back to the the conversation about it. You know, it's got it's got to be. It almost has to be all or nothing, right? Like you can't say that, oh, it's okay to do that in this circumstance because, because there's still going to be that small sliver of people, that 1%, 2%, however small that sliver is of people who are wronged by the police, by, who are wronged by these procedures. Mm-hmm. There's still going to be that sliver and it, it's, you've got to protect them. Yep. I mean, it's the question. I mean, yes. Where is the line, right? Like you want to make sure the violent criminals go down, but you also don't want to see an innocent person go to jail. Yeah. And so there was some cliche phrase we used to use in law school about, you know, would you rather have X amount of guilty people go to like, you know, go free or would you rather have an innocent person go to jail? Uh, and and we always leaned heavily on, the, you know, how you never wanted an innocent person to go to jail. Just yeah. yeah. And that that is why that's why the rules are the way they are, is to protect that small sliver of people who that is going to happen to. And maybe it's not as small of a sliver as I'm expressing. Maybe it's not one to two percent. Maybe it's more. Yep. It's been a while since I've done criminal law. So if I'm wrong, please tell me. I'm doing it again. I'm doing the soapbox thing. It's okay. I'm just going to let you, I'm just letting you take over for this episode. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Okay. If you know more about it, then I, I'm just letting you take over. All right. If you guys get sick of me talking, it's Brenna's fault. Um, <laughs> Brenna's like, no, I got wine. I, I'm, yeah, more importantly, to focus on. Okay. So Platt gets a lead on a 911 call. There's a college student. She never came home. They find her necklace in another burnt out car. Okay. So, and this car is still smoking. Side note, this is where we get the picture of Jay that looks like an album cover. You notice the weirdest thing sometimes. Um, you can't tell me that you didn't see that picture and we're like, damn, that looks good. 
I mean, I did, but like, I wouldn't have thought album cover. Um, you pointed it out. Very funny side note. I just got a text from a friend on an unrelated note, and she said, hey, if you like High School Musical, you should definitely check out Julie and the Phantoms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little bit of that. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, we oh. should all check out Julie and the Phantoms, damn it. Where also, is my season two? Where is my season two? Right? Right? It's okay, going to be where? like 2025. I'm going to be like 30 by the time we get a season two. Tell me this is not an album cover. I mean, now that you point it out, it is. But like, I did not. That was not the first thing I thought of. Was it Damn Jay Looks Good? I mean, that's up there. It's an album cover. I'm holding up the photo, the promo photo of Jay. He looks good. He looks really good. Okay. So anyway, um, we get a really nice Birgewater moment. That's really I nice. I love this. Mo- I love this moment. It's just so cute. And it's like so minor, but I love it. I, I, I just love seeing them together. It's nice. And I, I loved how Atwater was like, hey, Sarge, I got this clue or whatever. And Boyd's like, take Burgess. And he goes, Burgess! Like, yeah, me and you, let's go. Yeah, they're so cute. They're so cute. So it leads them to a red pickup and the college student's body. And these are some brutal SVU style deaths that we're talking. They really are, though. Yeah, so um, this particular student, I, I, you don't really see much of the first death, but this, this one, like, her head is bashed in, and she's naked and tortured, and, like, Haley gets into details later, and, like, they pulled her fingernails. It's an SVU death. Mm-hmm. It's an SVU death. It's mm-hmm. bad. It's bad. So we have this really good conversation between Miller and Voight. We got to go public. We got to let everyone know that we believe Hoff is on a killing spree. That's your goal. We don't have a choice, Hank. Sure we do. You can play this close to the vest. We don't have to ID Hoff by name. Look, let me tell you something. You tell people what's really going on, they're going to come gunning for you. They're going to blame you for letting them out, for investigating the original arrest. I can live with that. I stand by my original decision. Look, it's not me you got to convince them. I'm not trying to. Because I'm pretty sure I know where you'd come out. The second you mention his name, that guy is going to take off. It's going to make it a lot harder to find him. Just do your job. You stay one step ahead of this animal and bring him in before he kills again. So you can see in this moment that Void's old tendencies are, like, they're gripping at him, right? Like, he really wants to solve this the way he usually would. But... You know, Samantha's there to be like, we can't do that. Like, you, you know, mm-hmm. can't do that. But I like how Samantha's like, okay, well, we've got to go public. This is what's got to happen. And Voight's like, okay, listen, that is your call. But here are the benefits to doing it my way. And they they just kind of weigh both options. It, it's, it is showing growth on Voight's part. I will give him that. It's just not enough. Yeah. Yeah. And if, as if that's not uncomfortable enough, then we get this upstead moment. We can't let a monster like Hoff just walk out of prison. Come on, Haley, didn't have a choice. Sure we did. Just picked the one that made all the powerful people in the city feel warm and fuzzy. You don't really believe that, do you? I do. So are you saying you condone police misconduct? Of course not. I'm saying if it happens, if somebody acts inappropriately, doesn't mean we need to light the whole damn village on fire. I'm not really sure I know what it is you're trying to say here. What I'm trying to say is those two women 
would still be alive if the prosecutor who looked into Hoff's initial arrest had just looked the other way. And here we are. What, what just happened? This was not good. <laughs> ah, ah, like, okay, yes, Haley, cool, understand. You want to see the serial rapist go away. You want to see the really horrible, depraved criminals, the worst of the worst. They need to go away. I get it. I get it. But you don't get to pick what you do and don't turn a blind eye to. Mm-hmm. You don't. You just don't. Yeah. And again, I take it back to what happened last summer. Darnella Frazier, I think is her name, right? The 18-year-old who actually recorded what happened between Derek Chauvin and George Floyd. I think so. It's something very similar, close to that, yeah. If she chooses to turn a blind eye to that, who knows what else happens, right? If she chooses to turn a blind eye, do we get what happened on Tuesday? Do we get that guilty verdict? Do we get justice? No. And in a way, I mean, I think you can say that, you know, what happened on Tuesday, it's not, it's not full justice. A man still lost his life. Right. And he's never coming back. Right. I mean. But it's a starting point to holding people accountable for their actions. Yes, absolutely. 100%. You it just, you, it, it, it is that kind of system where it's, it's, it's all or nothing. It really is. It's that you can't, you can't turn a blind eye to one thing and then not turn a blind eye to another. Mm-hmm. you just can't and if the criminal justice system would work better that way then please tell me i have zero law enforcement experience and i fully recognize that we are two white women and we are probably not the best people to speak to this we're not the best people to speak to this but this is no, what but I, I, think, yeah. I mean but i think we are allowed to you know it really did bother me and i think clearly did you too that like Haley. That was Haley's reaction. And Jay's like, what did you actually just say? Like, are you really, like, saying this right now? And, like, the fact that, I, I don't know. It just, it really bothered me. It, it definitely, it definitely made me perk up, like, huh? Okay. I have a question for you. Ba- yeah. And this is more on, like, the upset relationship part of this, right? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. the, not the the actual comment more like the them having a disagreement i think something else that kind of really bothered me too is um like the fact that it seemed like a majority of the internet was just like oh yeah like i yeah that's annoying you know whatever but like you know i don't agree with what Haley said but at least like upset could like have this talk and you know blah 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 and show that they could still work past their differences and i was like but this is like a bigger issue than like do you pick up your underwear off the bedroom floor? Kind of, you know, like, this is not just like a, we're getting in a silly disagreement. Like, this is like serious shit. And if they're like disagreeing on this, I don't know. It just kind of like rubbed me the way that I feel like a lot of people seem to try to gloss over it when it came to like the upset relationship part of it. I think they need to have a deeper conversation. Yeah. And I feel like it's unfortunate too, that we kind of get these like bottle, like weekly bottle episodes almost for the most part. Because I feel like we won't have this conversation. We need to see it because this is, you're right. This is a deal breaker in a relationship for two cops. Right. I, it mean, should, I mean, it should be. Yeah. Put it that way. And I'm not saying I want up, you know, I obviously like upset. I want them to be together, blah, 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 blah. Like I, I'm with you, but like, it really kind of bugged me that like, yeah, they're sitting here like disagreeing. And like, that was the only talk we had. Mm-hmm. 
And then everyone else, it seemed like, again, a majority, I'm not saying everyone, a majority of the internet to me, it seems like was like, oh yeah, like I definitely don't think Haley's in the right, but like, I'm glad Upstead was able to kind of like show that, you know, they can work through their differences. And I'm like, they didn't though. Um, I, I don't, I mean, it's not that, I don't think it's a situation where, you know, they should have had a deeper discussion slash almost fight. I think that, I think it's the kind of thing where Jay's a little startled and he's starting to tiptoe into the issue. Um, but I think that they, I think that they will have no problem tiptoeing into the issue more because their relationship is that healthy. So I do see where they're coming from about that, that, you know, at least they were able to have a discussion and open an honest one. I think they will be able to dive further into that and have that discussion in a healthy way because the two of them are so strong. Right. And I'm not saying they can't get there, but Mm -hmm. like, I I don't know, that conversation wasn't enough to me. No, no. That's more of it. Like, I didn't see that as like, oh yeah, they had to talk. They're fine. Mm -hmm. That to me wasn't that, but. Right. And if I was Jay, I would have pushed a little bit more, but. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. So as if this case couldn't get worse, we find out that Hoff has a buddy and the buddy is the one who owes or owns the red pickup. He is Hoff's getaway driver as in they're BFFs. And one BFF knows that his other BFF is raping and murdering women and is totes cool with it. I mean, yeah, these are the most depraved of criminals. These are like the, the worst on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they arrest this guy. They find the buddy. They arrest him. And Voight's like, where's Hoff? Like, what are we doing? We can do this the easy way or we can do this the hard way. He chooses the hard way. Have you ever seen this show? Clearly not. Like, the last guy who chose the hard way got his face burned off on a stove. Right. He clearly has never even heard of Hank Voight. (laughs) No, no. Um, And the minute that this guy is like, no, the other way. Like, I'm sure I want the other way. The look on Jay's face. Like, Jay knows what's happening. Like, you done fucked up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, but it's not even, Jay's not even like, it's not even like, oh, you fucked up. It's like, what is Hank about to do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so they're inside and Jay is the only one who will stand up to Hank. And Hank's just like, we'll handle it. Don't worry. And Jay's like, what the hell does that mean? Like, Jay's over it. And and I'm glad. I'm glad Jay is there to, you know, keep him in check. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and it's interesting. Okay, so so this begs the question. We know where Haley stands on Voight's code, right? We know where Haley stands. We know where Adam stands. Kim and Kevin were totally silent. They were just like, this is awkward. Like, father and son are fighting. What do we do? Where do they stand on this? I'd like to say there's kind of somewhere in the middle, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'd like to say... Kevin is definitely leaning. He may be somewhere closer to the middle, but he's like definitely way more leaning towards whatever side Jay's on, left or right. I don't know, mm-hmm. but like whatever side Jay's on. Kim, I don't know. Kim, I, Kim to me is the true wild card. That's a good point. That's a good question for Marina. Mm-hmm. Because like, especially with everything going on and all the police brutality stuff and Kevin being a black man and not only that, but a black man who was also a cop, mm-hmm. I think Kevin is way more leaning towards Jay. Mm-hmm. That would just be my guess, but Marie or Kim, no idea. True wild card right there. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. So, um, the way that Voight picks Ruzik in this moment too, he's like, "Me and Adam are gonna go ask this guy." Like, it's almost like he's just like, "Well, he's my favorite son now." So, too bad, Jay. Well, he knows that he can get away with shit with Adam. Yeah, 
That's why. Um, Adam is to Voight what Upton is to Jay. Adam's like, I'll follow you blind. Like, like I trust you from the moment I met you. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Adam and Hank get in there with Kenny and Voight and Ruzik just kind of intimidate him. Like, it, the, the rest of the episode gets really uncomfortable from this point out. Mm-hmm. Like really uncomfortable. Okay, so Hank kicks the bed, but doesn't kick him. Ooh, congratulations. Okay. Um, and then, the, yeah, no, go ahead. No, no, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say the intent is still the same. Right, right. And any person who doesn't know Hank Voigt, who is sitting on a bed and that person's foot comes like an inch next to your face, you're going to be freaked the fuck out. Okay, you don't know Hank. You don't know that that's relatively tame for him. You're going to be scared half to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he and Ruzik continue to intimidate this guy. And Kenny straight up is like, I want a lawyer. Okay. He wants a lawyer. We shut everything down at that moment. Everything just stop. Okay. It is his right to ask for a lawyer. He is handcuffed in this moment. Is he not? Yep. So he's been detained, meaning that he's got the right to ask for a lawyer. It's like the first line in the Miranda rights. Mm Mm-hmm. He's got the right. And what happens is that Voight and Ruse continue to bother this guy. No. Yeah. No. That's not how we do things. Nope. But that is how they apparently do things. No. And I hate seeing Adam go along with it. I know. I thought we had gotten past the point where Adam was like Voight's uh, next in line. Or not Mm -hmm. next in line, but, you know, the next in line of you know, being the successor to who Void is as a cop. I thought we got kind of past that a little bit, but this just took us right back to that. And I was just like, I hate every minute of this. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I really, I, I hate every minute of it too. So, so Hank, Hank stops just short of whooping his ass. Like Hank stops himself and is like, well, pinch him on the meth possession, like get him outside. Okay. Like, okay. Um, so Hank doesn't whoop his ass, but Hank instead takes out his rage on the guy's pickup. Mm-hmm. Again, okay. Like, Wolf Entertainment tweeted something at this point, and it was a gif of the 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 truck, like him smashing the truck, and like they said something like it was supposed to be like, oh, like look how badass he is. I was like, this this still is not okay. No, and then you have the guy that's like watching him do that, and he's like, "Man, what the fuck are you doing?" And Boyd's like, "I'm doing whatever, you know, whatever." And they're like, "Call the police!" And he's like, "The police is on the scene." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Okay, when he says it means it's time for you to walk away now, did you interpret that as a threat? I mean, kind of it is. So, so I just want to make sure that we're like we've got this straight. So we are supposed to be proud of Boyd. For not beating the guy senseless. Congratulations, Hank. You did not partake in police brutality today. So we're supposed to just stand back and just say, really? The thing that gets me too is that, like, when he's outside, like, beating up on the car, like, he's just, of course, casually also wearing his vest. Like, at least if, I mean, I'm not condoning this, but, like, you should have taken your vest off at least, and it would have been, like, you know, maybe not as bad press if people ever found out about it. I mean, damn. I mean, it shows that Voight gives no fucks and he doesn't, he's not worried about consequences. No, he's not. But yeah, he just walked right out, took the bat or whatever it was and just started beating on it. And I was like, oh my God. But also, I mean, if this, and, and 
the other thing too is that if this guy turns if it turns out for whatever reason that you know kenny's not the accomplice whatever right and say kenny needs this car to get back and forth from work cpd is not going to pay for shit they're not going to pay to fix the car of course they're not and Hank just went ahead. Hank just went ahead and took out his rage and inflicted this damage. And it's totally okay because he wears the vest. He has a badge. No, no, nope. I didn't. I wasn't planning to go off on this episode, but it's happening. It's okay. okay. You're doing it well enough for both of us. So I mean, ugh. okay. So intelligence tracks Hoff to this abandoned warehouse that his uncle used to own. And that's where Hank runs into Martinez. So Hoff and Hank, they have a shootout. And it's almost like video game level. Like that warehouse was actually pretty well like it's laid like out. Donkey, it's like how I imagine like Donkey Kong if Donkey Kong goes like in real life. You yeah. know, like not the like non like very like 2D animated version, but like mm-hmm. in real life. It's like because it's got all the different levels. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so they have a shootout, whatever. Hoff is like momentarily cornered. Hoff jumps the railing and breaks his leg. Okay, but if he hadn't jumped the railing, what would happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, he probably would have gotten shot and killed. Yeah. Now, granted, I think they would have framed it so that, like, Hank had no choice, right? Like, Hank was in, you know, imminent danger yeah. and had to take the shot. But, okay, Hank, you got lucky. He jumped the railing. Good for you. So, Martinez comes out of nowhere and she's like, no, like I'm getting my revenge. I'm taking you out your ass out. Like this is what's happening. Hank changes his tune so quickly. He goes from give me a reason to no, don't do it. He's not worth it. You don't get to play God, Hank. Nope. I'm, I'm just, I'm so not okay with it because like Hank perpetuates i mean hank embodies everything that is wrong with the police force right now he does i mean and even if he's making these even if he's making these steps forward he's showing growth yes he still embodies almost everything that is wrong with the police force in this day and age am i wrong nope we've seen it for eight seasons now right he's bent the rules and yeah okay he's almost he's very dexter like right he only does this to take out like the worst of criminals but sometimes the good people get swept up in that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I that's just... why, I mean, that's why I worry about some of the, our favorite intelligence members. I do too. And by some, I mean all. Except Jay, because I know where Jay stands. Well, and also, like, what what does it say about Hank as a leader that he does not lead by example, right? He tells Haley, like, hey, you should get help because I think the way you're operating right now is going to cost you. But the way she's operating is the way he operates. Right. And well, and the same thing we've kind of talked about this before, too, is like with Burgess and especially even with Atwater, I think leans way more towards Jay. But we were just talking about Burgess and not knowing where she stands, her being the true wild card. I mean, Hank brought her into the unit and when we first met Burgess Burgess is like this little doe-eyed like oh I'm a police officer like yeah like I just want to do good in the world and then now she's definitely had moments where she's not like that at all and she's become very hardened and you know it's just so different and so I wonder you know that I mean that is all Voight and her being in intelligence that is all Voight mm-hmm. so it's yeah. scary mm-hmm. yeah yeah 
So Martinez does get a shot off, but Hank is like, get out of here, run, go. And he even grabs the shell so that there's no evidence that she was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, I, I, I want to empathize with her. I really do, but I, I can't. Nope. I can't. Nope. No. So, um, yeah. So Hank's just like, get out of here, go, you know, Upstead rolls up and, you know, they arrest him. That's fine. Um, and Jay has that moment. Jay's like, is there anything I should know or not know? And Hank's like, no, we're good. We're good. And I'm glad that we saw the moment so we know that, like, he's not lying. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what really kills me here, the, the other part of this that really made me face palm. So we wind up back in Miller's office, right? And Miller says, I'm just surprised that his face is clean. Really? Like, congratulations. Here's a participation trophy for, like, not beating a perp senseless this week. Yeah. No, no. Well, this is kind of where my point about like the one step forward, two steps back. Like maybe it's not specifically with Voight, but it feels like, yeah, we like are going to praise Hank for the growth that he's had, which I think is important, right? Like if he's truly grown a little bit, like, yeah, it's important to acknowledge that. But then we, you know, we also then are like, like you said, praising him for not engaging in police brutality. And I'm just like, that just feels like such a step back. Yeah. It's so weird. It's, yeah. Oh my God. Well, not even just weird. It's just so frustrating too. Yeah. Because like, that's not, A, that's not how you should acknowledge this situation in general. Like, we shouldn't be applauding people for not hurting people. And second of all, I lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? We shouldn't be applauding people for not hurting people. And I don't remember what I was going to say. Move on. I don't we're, remember. We're fired up, guys. Like, like, half of, yeah. 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 I just. Uh, so. Uh, Martinez is like okay but there is one loophole that happened here Hoff claims that he saw Martinez like what what the hell and Hank covers for her okay fine whatever but I just want to point out that yes okay Hank covered for her great but in doing so we're gaslighting the criminal Mm -hmm. and just because he's a criminal doesn't make it okay to treat him like he's not a human Right. If we're just not going to listen to what he's going to say and we're just going to say like, oh, well, whatever, his opinion doesn't matter because he's a criminal. That's a slippery slope. Right. But it also goes back to the what we were talking about earlier is like, yeah, I mean, we have to change the system because the system is fucked up in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But like the process for, you know, the justice process like is a process like you do have to play the game and let it play out mm-hmm. and so until he he is innocent and proved till proven guilty like that's just the way it is and so until he is proven guilty his opinion like you said his opinion still does matter he is still a human being yes he's a criminal and yes he's a terrible human being but he is still a human being he still has his rights and you know he still has his rights and he still deserves to be listened to in some capacity yeah so in gaslighting him you're treating him like he's less than that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so 
And then they have this moment where, you know, Hank's just like, the truth's not on your side right now. Like, you need to just take yes for an answer and move on. Yes and no, right? Like, there are some instances where taking yes for an answer and moving on, fine, great, awesome. But you can't use that as a general rule. Nope. No. If somebody had just listened to what Derek Chauvin had to say and taken yes for an answer and moved on, things would be a lot different. Yep. 100%. So Hank goes to Martinez's house. They share a drink and Martinez talks about how, you know, she's been painted as a crazy cop forever and how the the politicians chose Hoff over her. Um, And they come to the conclusion of the episode at the end of the episode, Martinez is like, we, we think alike. And Hank's like, yeah, we do. Do you think we see her again? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think so. I think she served, I think she served her purpose in that like, Although I don't know if Voight really got the point, mm-hmm. but I think she served her purpose of like, be careful because if you're not careful on how you act and, you know, you, sh- you know, maybe probably reform how you act, like you could easily end up like me. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So um, that's the episode. Just didn't, it didn't, it didn't sit well with me. From a story standpoint, the way it's crafted, the way the story is told, excellent. Gavin does right. a great job of that, but Overall, I mean, the, the, the overall message, I just, it, it, it just, it bothered me. And I think like we talked about earlier, it was definitely heightened because of everything that happened this week. I yeah. still think I would have felt this way regardless, mm-hmm. but I think it's just heightened because of what happened earlier this week. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Megan said, can we have Trudy take over for Hank just one time? She was owning it, describing everything. I love when she helps out intelligence, although they really need to bring back patrol stories. She was at her best then, and I loved her humor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, just when I think Hank was going to change, he goes back to the way he was. The witness had every right to call him out. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, Carmen sent us a long, pretty long message. Um, she said the upset difference of opinion or on the upset difference of opinion. I'm not agreeing with what Haley said, but I do see where she was coming from. She must have had a very similar feeling with the whole Booth situation. She was beaten and almost raped by Booth. The only reason it didn't go any further was pure luck in the form of Garrett. Yet he only went away for distribution charges before being let out for good behavior. Oh, that's a good point. There are enough similarities and what if surrounding the situation where it's not surprising where these similar with these similar scene when seeing the damage being inflicted by this criminal um then there's still because there's still the whole added element of not really knowing what happened to garrett when faced with such set of circumstances it is probably a reflex for Haley to immediately reach for punishment when she's reminded of what happened to her that that is a very very fair point um i did i did have a moment where i was like i wonder if like her past trauma is is what's playing into this kind of response for her that, yeah, that's a very, very true point. It definitely is a true point. I don't necessarily think that means that it's right. Mm-hmm. But I do, I, I can see where that, I do think that is a good point. But she also goes on to say, like, I also understand Jay's point of view, but I also found it a bit confusing. Now, was he questioning just violent police misconduct or all police misconduct? Because if it's all police misconduct, how seriously can we take it considering just this season there was that whole situation with Latrell? I know that's just a wildly different situation, but there's also the whole Camilla situation. And while he has shown a magnificent personal growth, that also happened. I'm not saying he shouldn't be against consequences for police misconduct, but it's a very weird, cringy conversation if he's saying he's now against all sorts of police misconduct being gotten away with. Also a fair point. 
And then she finishes it up by saying, after this episode, I was trying to think, has there ever been a Voight-centered storyline besides this one that wasn't that way because Voight had someone close to him being killed? Um, and then she sort of points out, like, Justin and Al, and then that half-Camille-based one. Or Voight having a competitor adversary, every authority figure and politician ever. Is this the first Voight plus case episode? I think it might be. It, I think it might be. And she said, if so, it feels like a strange one for him to get so attached to. Oh, no, I see why he got attached. Yeah. I can get it. I mean, I see why you got a tattoo. I think Hank, deep down, is a very emotional person. Mm -hmm. You know, things when things struck a chord with him like this, because, I mean, why wouldn't a serial rapist strike a chord with you? Um, You know, I like, yeah, I definitely see why he did it. But, yeah, I think she's right. I think this is the very first Voight plus case episode. Right, right. I think so, too. Yeah. So Allie said, this case was definitely well written to help tackle some current issues of police misconduct and to show that the justice system is far from perfect. Conversations in these types of episodes are also super thought provoking, and the Upstead one was no no exception. I love how they use different characters to show different perspectives. Both characters each have valid points and respect each other at the end of the day. Uh, Allie also went to say, okay, so Voight wasn't perfect this episode, but he definitely would have gone much further and probably killed the guy in earlier seasons. I'm not saying what he did was right because he can do much worse, but it does show at least some character development, even if he still has a long way to go. I'm curious to see what happens next, if they'll continue this development or have him fall back into his old habits and then go down for something. Yeah. Yep. Uh, And then she said, Burgess, me and you, that line was adorable. And I love the Burgewater friendship. I also hope we get to see some Uncle Kevin scenes next episode. God, we'd better. I know, I know. Um, And also, Upstead's matching outfits were amazing. And I need a deleted scene or fanfic chapter where everyone gives them shit for it. They were matching. They were. That would be a fun. Haley and Camo, Jay in that matching shade of green. Mm -hmm. It was good. Um, Jess said, honestly, PD was kind of weak spot for the weak spot of the night for me. Um, I really don't know how to feel about this episode. I thought the case itself was interesting enough and had me engaged the entire time, but the episode itself almost felt like a step back for the show. Like, yeah, we saw some growth from Voight where he obviously really wanted to rough up that guy but pulled himself back. But I don't know. I don't know. Other parts of the episode felt really tone deaf to me. Like, it felt like they were almost coddling that crap that Mar- or that caught Martinez and telling her she did nothing wrong, but, like, she clearly did do something wrong. She stepped over the line, and it's because of that that the case got thrown out and Caleb went free. And then that conversation between Jay and Haley where she was like, I don't condone police brutality, but the prosecutor really should have looked at the other way was pretty bad. Trying to blame the prosecutor for two women dying when Martinez really shouldn't have done it in the first place and instead just worked the case the right way. I understand that it must be beyond frustrating and horrible to be so sure of who the bad guy is and not be able to make a case against them. But I feel like we're at a point in this conversation about police brutality where that isn't good enough anymore. Mm-hmm. Like when cops target a black person, they don't think that they're actively being racist. It's always, he looks suspicious. He looked like he could be armed. You know, he looked like he was reaching for a gun. And if we go back a couple of episodes, that cop that Kevin and Adam arrested was so convinced the guy reached for his gun. I'm not saying it's exactly the same because obviously we know that Caleb was actually guilty this time. But it feels like the point still stands that cops can't just do things that cross the line because they're pretty sure the suspect is guilty. Because yes, what if, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, because what if they're wrong and their actions put an innocent person in jail or worse? And what if that suspect is actually guilty, but the cops are over the line, going over the line causes enough doubt that they go free? And clearly Martinez learned nothing from Caleb going free the first time because she still showed up at the end, fired a gun, and Boyd had to lie to her 
for her to save the case. Like, come on, how is it not getting through to them that when they cross the line and do shady stuff, it just jeopardizes the case more? I don't know. I just feel like they really missed the mark with this episode. Honestly, it almost felt out of place. Like, maybe they could have gotten away with it, an episode like this earlier in the season or even late last season and shown it as white in the unit struggling to change their ways of policing. But putting it this late in the season after everything else that has happened just feels like a step backwards. Right on the money. Yeah, I really couldn't have said it better. Uh, I, that was a very long email, but right on the money. Yeah. Yeah. So Casey said, overall, I thought the episode was good. Since I don't watch PD for Voight, the episodes that are centered around him just don't do it for me. I did like that we got to see Jay question Voight's actions, and it seemed that Jay really stepped into the role of being Voight's second in command. I'm manifesting Sergeant Jay Halstead to happen soon. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't hate it. I would not hate it. Um, and then TPD Halstead fan said, the episode seen from last night it was actually really good and important for the show and their partnership relationship. I think Haley's earlier comment to the lady cop, just as in the law don't always work in perfect harmony, played a part of this conversation. I thought their discussion was a good and healthy one. All relationships have, disagree- have disagreements, and there's not one that hasn't had one. But with any disagreement, the couple needs to talk instead of ignore or blow up about it think upset is good communication they listen and let the other share without getting upset and about the difference of opinion i think in the end they both understood each other's perspective too when jay asked Haley if or jay asked if Haley condones police misconduct she said no jay understood that if they ignored how the evidence got picked up in the earlier crimes this guy who clearly did terrible things would still be in jail when jay said and here we are it was him frustratingly agreeing that yeah if they didn't then if they did it then we wouldn't be where we are at with two new dead bodies it was a very great conversation where they both make where they see you they make you see both views which is what pd does so well this was a discussion that was needed and it was done nicely it's something that would come up for a couple who is dating and working together especially cops justice and the law weren't working in perfect harmony i think they all know that even jay it's only a few episodes he let the father go who was a murderer I'd, so I don't think it was any serious for their relationship, just a conversation where they discuss something they viewed differently. Good point about Latrell. Yeah. 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 Still but still with Latrell, Jay made sure that he arrested him just on lesser charges. But like, yeah. Yeah. So I'm still not convinced he actually arrested him. I'm still convinced that was for like show. What do you think he did? I let him go why even arrest him then if that's the case because they had to show that he was like arresting him for Voight because remember then Voight's like out there looking at Jay in the car yeah but Voight wouldn't have cared I don't know I don't know god any other notes on PD no (sighs) that was a doozy that's a doozy of an episode yeah it was it was so um yeah, that's about all we've got for today. I think we hit three hours. But by the time I cut some stuff out, I don't think we did. But add the audio clips in. Oh, maybe we're close, maybe. We're close, yeah. Every time we think that we've done it, it's like two, two hours and 57 minutes. We're like, ah, so close. So you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. Our inbox is open always our inbox is always open meet us at molly's at gmail.com like seriously you know we love to talk marvel we love to talk tv we love to talk anything really um 
meet us at mollysgmail.com. If you like the show, which we really, really hope you do, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We would so greatly appreciate that. Oh my goodness, we would. Um, T Public is having a sale through the end, I think, of Sunday. So I don't know. Something I think it's through Sunday. So go check out our T Public store. Um, one of our listeners, Haley, she has been doing incredible work for us. Oh my gosh, she's got skills. Um, definitely check out that. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Brenna? I am at Brenna K13. So the shows are off next week. However, we're going to do something. I think we're going to go ahead and record our Patreon bonus episode. We're also going to pick one out of the vault. I know you guys have been sending us a lot of good ideas for hiatus. So we'll pick one of those. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, you know, everybody have a good weekend and we will see you then. Bye.